Hi, everybody. Before we start this Game of Thrones podcast, I just want to take this time to say a big thank you to the ladies from the Land of Ash. And this is officially my 100th podcast as a part of the Land of Ash and having issuesprogram.com up and running. So I can't say enough thanks for all the support you ladies have gone. There'll be some maintenance and some changing going on with issuesprogram.com. But uh, this is my 100th episode. So here we go. 100, Joe. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. And although I have not met the Electric Sisterhood, it's good to be a part of it. Yeah, it really is. So thank you so much, ladies. And thank, thank you so you. much to everyone that's been checking out our stuff since number one. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review. Game of Thrones, Season 1, Episode 10, the Season 1 finale, Fire and Blood. This episode was originally aired on June 19th, 2011. And welcome to the Funny Horror Show, starring Joe and Phil. We are two very fu- What are we, funny whores? Yeah, I think we are funny whores. I think we are pretty. I think we are funny whores, man. I think that's a great dis- depiction of us. I think Shay was talking about us. Everybody, welcome back to the Game of Thrones recaps here on Phil's Recap and Review. We are finally closing out season one here today. Joe and I are going to talk all through everything that happens in Fire and Blood. And Joe will probably share a couple of thoughts about episode nine as well, since he wasn't with us, or a little bit more about Ned. But we talked a lot about Ned at the beginning I, of the episode. I basically only have one thought about that. It was, you know... <laughs> winter is coming out oh, we've got a we got a we got a couple people in the chat already fire club please don't use any trigger words during today's broadcast you get uh what trigger words you guys need to start watching the last kingdom on bbc america try to imagine what a trigger world would be in westeros winter is coming maybe hodor maybe oh but everybody if you want to join in the chat if you're listening to this live jump in the chat room live on the youtube page or on issuesprogram.com where this is broadcasting from and you can jump in the chat room and talk all about this episode share your thoughts you can also jump in the chat wing chat room that you can find the link in the description box box below email me at i got issues man at gmail.com tweet me at i got issues man and whenever you watch this later please share your thoughts on season one of game of thrones and what the fuck we just watched in episode nine leading into right now it's just total and utter craziness and this was a great close to a really excellent season of game of thrones and we're not alone as i mentioned we've got far cloud and Sam Lady, who was skipping class a little bit, but decided to go to class and will watch us later. Good girl. Way to go to class. It's way more important than listen to the two of us babble about Game of Thrones. We don't want to see you get subtracting points from your final grade or anything. We're not responsible for that. You sign our contract. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are, and this episode is all about the reaction to Ned Stark's death and the lead into next, uh, next season and how everything kind of... Uh, traverses into what's going to happen in season two and this is gonna be a real fun episode to talk about there's a lot to talk about uh, things that happen but obviously episode nine was where all the crazy shit happened this was the this is the setup this is the first season of a bunch of seasons in a row where episode nine was the craziest episode of the season and episode 10 was a catching your breath kind of episode would you say that joe yeah it's a it's a tie you off and lead you on smaller or bigger, more fucked up cliffhangers than you could possibly imagine. Exactly. Heading into the next season. We still don't meet this Stannis person we still keep hearing about. Perhaps we'll meet him in season two. We didn't really check in with Renly, though he was discussed in this episode. It, we may let, me ask, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have it had ended 
after episode nine, not necessarily only being nine episodes, but the events of episode nine being the cliffhanger, the season finale, the too bad fan, you need to wait to see any kind of mm. Uh, mm. response of, you know, Ned's head is gone. <laughs> you mean like if we traveled in time back to season six, you mean kind of like uh, season six did to us? Uh, I mean, season five did to us at the end? Well, with a no, kind of like just like if there was no episode 10, if episode nine was the end of the season, if that was the cliffhanger, if that was the now you got to wait nine months. Okay, that's, it's an interesting thing to say because that's more standard to what other shows do. Right. Uh, would I rather that? No. I think part part of what started, besides the fact of the people that were interested in it before or that were predisposed to this kind of medium of entertainment, I think part of what created the buzz around Game of Thrones and created the juggernaut that you have here today is it not being normal? Is it not going the same route as you would expect from other shows of its ilk? And I think part of that is the action in the big tragic event, the thing happening in episode nine. I think that is something that got people a little bit more talking because you almost expect those kind of things to happen in shows in in the final episode of the season. I like that it, it wasn't the final episode and it gave us another episode to see where everyone's reaction for that was. I, I don't think I would have liked to wait a whole season to see what Arya's immediate reaction after that was. And I also think it's good to set the pieces for season two so you don't have to take care of that shit at the beginning of the next season. I like that. Yep. I I, I personally uh, like it. I think it follows more of a, a novel arc than a TV show arc mm-hmm. because I, they do it that way. And, and I, I really like that. It stays truer to the books by doing it that way mm-hmm. rather than saying, okay, season two, we're going to start at the end of book one and continue in. Not to mention there's the big, there's the big matzo ball dragon hanging out over us right now. <laughs> where that we ended this season with the dragons and the fact of, I know we've seen... That's a pretty huge cliffhanger in and of itself. Absolutely. And I know that we've seen other moderate magic up until this point on Game of Thrones, but this is really the first point that you... Because we've seen White Walkers and stuff like that. But this is the first point that you realize, even even though we've seen... Even though the first thing we see in the first episode or the first first prologue is White Walkers in something more mystical than magic. You almost forget about that shit. Right. You almost don't even, like, take it seriously. Like, okay, so they have... some weird, weird wildlings with doing some shit. Okay, whatever. Like right. you it, can dismiss it so well. Even if you go to the 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 whites attacking Mormon in his office thing, you can even stretch that out to I don't know, maybe some wildlings figured out some weird, I don't know, mind control. I don't know, whatever, something. Or just drop. Dude was on PCP, man. He <laughs> I mean, some he was forest dead. mushrooms and uh, that grew off of some uh, some werewolf not werewolf so dire wolf uh dropping and just to, do, dropping, to argue you know, devil's like. advocate come on idiots they're fucking zombies deal with it so i, ju- <laughs> I just want to write the put the devil's advocate in there too well no but you could you could you could uh, you could be like that you could be like okay there's uh, many things you can kind of dismiss the magic in the story until these dragons are right. crawling Once you see dragons and there's blood magic involved, it's a different world. You're dealing yeah. with a different this universe. This girl crawled into a fire. Yeah, and didn't you know. burn. Yeah, she crawls into a fire, doesn't burn, comes out. You're like, holy shit, what kind of show is this? This isn't a political intrigue, war between factions type show. What What's going on right there? What's with the girl with the nipples and the dragons? The dragons sucking the nipples. What's up with that? 
But so I think ultimately the way they did decide to end the entire season worked really well for the story. And I think if you would end it with Ned Stark dying to quote Farcloud in the chat, yep, that would have been nut cr crunching. It would have crushed your nuts a little bit. And yeah. and I feel like you ended it on a down note and then a couple of other down notes in this episode, but ultimately the end of this season also ends on a high note. On Because I think this Fire and Blood is one of, is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite Daenerys episodes. I love her in this episode. I love uh, Mia Clark's acting in this episode when she's realizing how, and I trash Danny a lot, so I, I, just, I'm an honest person here. I really enjoy her in this episode. I enjoy her facial expressions and her reactions to Mary Mazdor when she figures out what happened in the whole. Well, this little this little part of the story with uh with the witch and Danny is the best Danny stuff. The last two episodes with Danny, what what happens to Carl, what this woman says to her in this episode, you know, the bullshit is done. It's all over. It's like, you know, I I have no need to kiss up to kiss your ass anymore. This is exactly the way it is, sweetheart. You stupid child. And and that's what I like about it too, Joe. It really it really establishes her for the mistakes that she for the mistakes and stuff that she's made and showing how ig ignorant in some senses she has become. And and I just love that the reaction. I love how it how it just comes over her and the way she plays it is so perfect. She seems more like a child in this episode than ever before, and I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, she's she. It's almost more like she not just seems like a child, but she seems like she's finally gonna shed the child or childish ways a little bit. Right, and also I I kind of blinked on what I wanted to say there because I heard cats crying in the background and I couldn't tell if it was oh, your I'm house sorry, or mine. Oh no, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure it was your your house, not my house. Yeah, my house uh, is sure. that we also got to see the first of a Daenerys that. Maybe we'll see more of later and that touch of the Mad Kingness in her when she just starts. And I know it's it's warranted, but I love when she's like, no, you're going to burn and you're going to scream and I'm going to like it. It's almost she's almost touching herself. Like she's, oh, no, you'll scream, motherfucker. You'll scream. But that's not what I want. Right. I just want your life. I just need your life. And she kind of just takes the situation by the balls and goes, blood magic, I'm going to use. You just taught me something. I'm going to use my fucking blood magic to get what I want out of this out of this situation. Uh, Ahmed asks, did she regret saving the witch? I believe that she probably does, but she more regrets. Uh, yeah, I think she regrets... Or everything. I would say it's not just saving the witch. It's probably suggesting the witch to take care of call of Drogo's wounds. It's it's everything that came to it. Just kind of drinking the Kool-Aid of this of this con woman. And I think she starts to realize the mistake that she made. I don't think she regrets saving her life. I think in the moment of saving her life. It's just trusting her past that point. I think Danny still, and as we see past this, still believes in saving lives and that people shouldn't be raped and murdered and killed and turned into slaves and stuff like that. Danny has a very strong sense of that. And I think if she could make the decision again, she probably would. She just wouldn't trust the woman to take care of Drogo. And also it's worth mentioning in the book, which I know this isn't the book, but we don't see a lot of Drogo. Uh, it's still in 
it's still yet to be understood. Or it's still up in the air whether she actually poisoned him or did anything. In the books, Drogo doesn't follow her orders and starts fucking with the wound and like rips the rips the the uh, the covering off of it and like rubs and rubs sand on, like does all this shit and doesn't follow the woman's orders, uh, Mary Ma's door's orders on how to tend to the wound. So some could say that. No, ma- no, no, no. It, she poisoned him. She it's 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 not clear. Movie. I agree. I tend to agree with that, Joe. But it's not completely clear exactly that that happened. And it and it's especially a little bit more vague in the text. And in the in the show, I think it's a hundred percent. It she basically says, "I poisoned him. Fuck you." And well, here's the thing: when because uh, in both the book and the show, she kills the horse, right? I believe so. Yes, it's it's been a while for the book, but I, I I don't remember that clearly. But yes, she does kill the horse. I'm pretty sure. And and to me, with this culture and society of the the call and the Kalasar and all that, the horse is almost just as important as the call. You know, like without the horse, he a call who doesn't ride is no call. Yep, it's right? like uh, it's like Clay Morrow. So when. Like it, it's at that point, you know that this was all deliberate when she goes and kills that horse. Oh, I, I, I mean, I don't necessarily. That's not necessarily the reason why I agree. I, I see what you're saying. I, I mean, I agree with you 100. percent I think this was all a plan. I'm just saying it is at some points a little unclear whether Drogo didn't help the situation either because he's he's a he's a clod in some ways. And in the books, well, if it they, wasn't getting if it wasn't getting better and it was getting worse and what she was putting in there was poison. It's gonna make him wanna. Get at it. True. Fuck with true. it. And that's and it could be that oh, she know she knows he's more animal than human in some ways and knows that she set the motions in place knowing he would pick at it and cause a deeper infection. It could it could be a lot of different things. She she outsmart for whatever it's worth, she outsmarted Daenerys and Drogo in the situation and got what she ultimately wanted out of the situation. Daenerys's baby killed, revenge for what the Kalsar did to. He was going to be the stallion that mounts the world. Now he will not mount a stallion or the world. He won't. No mount. nations will fall below, beneath him. Exactly. We have a couple of qu- uh, greetings from. Oh, welcome, Ada. Welcome, Tim. Welcome, Sam. Welcome, Lindstrom. Welcome, all of our friends. The horse didn't stand a chance, and the horse died in both the show and the book. Yeah. It says. Um, let me see. Uh, Cersei's crazy. Doesn't really start to kick into high drive until season two, says Sam. Yeah, Cersei's in this episode very briefly. A very brief little Cersei interaction here. Okay, so let's start in our recap and get into just kind of like this episode. Her crazy is realizing, oh, shit. What kind of crazy have I created and unleashed upon the world? (laughs) (laughs) Like, she's just sitting back, just completely freaking shocked at what what her son is. she, She always knew it, but she never, it was never like, she could always control him. She was always actually the more, you know, powerful of the two. And now she's realizing she's... Yeah, this is this episode is really in a lot of ways Joffrey's coming out party. We really get to, um, we really get I'm coming out and I'm going to kill a lot of motherfuckers. <laughs> kill and my brother's cat. Meow 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 meow. Okay, so let's get back to the funny horror show. And uh in King's Landing, uh 
we're going to do this. I'm going to, I have the dialogue of the scenes and I have a little brief description of what happens in the scene. I'm going to read kind of the brief description of happened scene and then we're going to talk more in depth about what happened. So in King's Landing, we see the crowd celebrating the death of, of Eddard Stark. You're into the Night's Watches there and he grabs Arya and kind of takes her away. He keeps calling her boy. When she protests, he begins to cut her hair with a knife. He's determined to take her back to the north. Poor Arya. And this is what I say in the, our jump-off point in this scene. This, I think, in the entire series is probably the most out of control and straight-up emotional that we see Arya for obvious reasons. But she is – it's almost – This a, is my hands-down favorite You love Arya this moment. You love this moment. Until – all the way up until uh, she jumps on Meryn last season. Right. Now – I can't stress. This is great. She is absolutely shocked. You can feel it when that guy grabs her and is like, you remember me, boy? And like doesn't give up on the boy thing and starts cutting her hair. And I'm not a boy. You're not a very smart boy. Is that what you mean? He's like just ripping her hair out with a with a, a, a knife, a dagger. It's very symbolic that, you know, she is no longer Arya Stark. If she wants to live, if she wants to be a continue to be a person, she needs to shed that. It's this whole kind of storyline that leads her all the way to where she is and and who is she and and who is she and you know, who is this girl in front of me? She's no one. She can't be Arya Stark anymore. She's she's done. And it starts with this, with the with the shedding of her hair and her not being a very smart boy. Right. I love it. I love that. You I love, love this scene so much. It's the, my. It's, it's not just my my favorite aria scene. It's uh it might be one of my favorite scenes in the show. It's definitely from no, knowing you pretty goddamn well, Joe. It's probably one of your favorite quotes from Game of Thrones of all time. You quote this <laughs> all the time. Just in random. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Read. Do you remember me now, boy? Remember me? There is a bright boy. You'll be coming with me, boy, and you'll be keeping your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut, boy. I'm not a boy. You're not a smart boy. Is that what you're trying to say? Do you want to live, boy? North, boy. We're going north. It's awesome. It's. It's like you, I, I kind of felt tingly just listening to you read the lines. I, I love it. I think it's it's amazing. And all those people around, they're not yeah, they're not yelling and screaming like, how could you do this? You killed Ned Stark, Joffrey, you bastard. They're cheering. They want more blood. If that if anybody, anybody even suspected that I, that wasn't a boy, that that was Arya Stark sitting there in the crowd, they would have tore her limb to limb. Joe, I hate to say this, but Joffrey played this perfectly. He, he did play. It he perfectly. got exactly what he wanted and played Sansa and played Varys to get Ned to give him what he wanted to publicly declare he was a traitor and to publicly say Joffrey is king. Yada yada yada. He re- and then Joffrey immediately knew the whole time he was going to do this and then kill him and not have anyone in front of him or around. This. I think. Don't get me wrong. As we find out later in the episode, and as we see, Joffrey made a stupid mistake. But oh, it, yeah. to get what he wanted, smart boy. Not a very smart boy. But to get what he wanted, he played the game in this situation extremely well. He made a really good big play here and he he covered he covered his ends in the moment of it to have the crowd on his side because because Ned just admitted he was a fucking traitor so it was just like a perfect storm of a situation that no one could stop what was going to happen there it was that it was that rook you don't you don't see coming he just like all of a sudden boom 
Hi, I'm Hi. a piece on the board. Yep, death. Uh, we, let's jump in the chat for a second. Oh, ugly little girl, you'll never find your pack, says Tim. Oh, poor girl. Oh, boy, says Ada. Welcome, Ada. She's going to start a pack of her own. <laughs> Tim says, yeah, but can you not love every Aria moment? Yeah, you can, it's hard not to love every Aria moment. Oh, right, but you can definitely quantify the good ones to the bad ones. There's some great one where she's staring at the at the hound, just watching him die. Uh when she finally gets Neo oh, yeah. back, we'll, we'll, we'll get Joe. We'll, we'll, with, Joe, we'll uh, get to, so many wonderful. Joe, we'll get to all of them. We'll get this, to them. This trumps it. This really, this is the moment you're like, oh fuck, this little girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like now, like you realize she's all alone, thousand leagues from anywhere. The helpful. New York Kia says, NY Kia says, I miss me some Vikings. Me too. We can't wait till the Vikings starts. Full Viking season, which uh, means not just the 10 episodes. I think we're getting 12 to 15. It's going to be fun, fun, fun. Sam, oh, that scene with him and Sansa in this episode makes me want to push him off a narrow bridge. At, at, we'll get to that. We're getting to that very soon. Adafan says, well played. Joffrey, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ahmed says, the worst thing is that Sir Ilan Payne killed him with ice. That is probably the most horrible situation. Anytime you see Ilan Payne get anything positive happen to him, really makes me upset. And you see a couple moments where Ilan gets to be very happy in these last two episodes, and it makes me very sad. Uh, Arya in real life is blossoming into womanhood very nicely, I must say, says New York Kia. I cannot disagree with that logic. Sam says, oh, I love the one where she literally goes up the hound and says, I'm going to kill you one day and just walks away. And Tim says, how can you do that? Arya's gold every time she comes on. I agree. Arya really is gold every time she comes on screen. I would say Arya, I know Joe, Arya is your favorite Game of Thrones character, or up there. You're her and Tyrion probably are very, very Those cool. two are like so, they're almost tied as to like which one I, I, I crave more on screen time. Exactly. So uh, so that's a very fun scene. Uh, not fun, but it they do a really excellent job. And this is one of the things that Game of Thrones does better than maybe any show ever. The perspective, and it makes sense considering with the source material. But you really get an emotional connection in that moment to everything Arya is going through. And even what Yorin's going through in that moment, trying to save her and trying to kind of panic in that moment of, holy shit, what the hell just happened? I thought I, I thought I was taking taking Ned to the wall. I showed up here to take Ned to the wall. Like, what the hell the fuck's going on? I heard from Cersei herself. Cersei's the one in charge. What the sh... You know, everyone just panicked. It was, it was like mass hysteria, and then the crowd just goes crazy, and you get that riot-like... Yeah, loved it. Yeah, it was just great tension, great emotional buildup, and Game of Thrones at its best right now at this very beginning first scene. And then to see how it all develops and how we lead into Bran's dream here as we cut into... Uh, trigger words. Shh. Uh, she's one of my favorite female characters, says Sam. As since my top six happens to be all guys, Adafan says they they were not ready for that day. No one was ready for that day. And I think also just to just to continue on to that thing, I think the mass hysteria in the crowd also did a good job at reflecting what people's reactions were watching that scene at home. I think I think it really mirrored how they did a great job of doing that. In this episode and but I don't want to talk about future events but I think they did a better job in this follow-up than they did any other season in the follow-up to the big episode I think this really just feeds off the events of that episode nine and really what we go into afterwards is the reaction summary here of everyone's reactions to what happened to Ned Stark well but I think at this point we still have the most characters that we uh that we care about 
we haven't lost as many as we do have in later seasons. There's um, and everybody's kind of in these already positioned in these super dramatic spots of their own that when this happens and we have this reaction episode, there is a lot more emotion. And I think the us as fans are a little bit more tied to it than in further seasons <laughs> because there's just a couple less characters, Rob Stark or whoever might not be there. And it just, there's a little bit less that you care about. So there's a, it's not in, and you kind of expect these these moments like you had in episode nine, where you're just going to be floored and pissed for seven days straight. And although they have some pretty fucked up episodes ahead, yeah, losing Ned Stark is just it's about as weird, crazy as it gets. Loads at that moment. If you're if you've made it that far and of like, I really like this show or this show's okay, and make it to season nine that seals you, that brings you in your life. Episode, you, yeah. What's that? Oh no, keep keep going. You said season yeah. nine, but episode nine. I know what Ep- you meant. Episode nine. That that's the one that it solidifies you as a fan. So you know, episode eighteen when it happens, you almost kind of yeah, are but let's ready not, for it. Let's not talk about that too much because I don't want... I'm just saying, I don't know what's in episode 18. I'm just saying, I don't know. I just picked 18 because it was double Yeah, nine. you randomly picked that episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I would like, because that's the episode before the end of season two. Okay, so we'll, oh, let's, no, ju- 19, let's jump sorry. in. The, let's jump into the chat room here for a second. Sam says, don't really, don't really want to go back there with discussion, but he... He really should have run with Renly when he offered the chance to do so. Absolutely. Lady Scree, whoops, opened my laptop in class and forgot this video was up. Phil, your voice just blasted through the classroom. Yes. Welcome all. Subscribe to my channel, channel, channel. Uh, Addis says the cat escaped from you, Joe. Sam says, oh, my God, that is so awkward. I hate when that happens to me, which it did in classroom yesterday. The uh, laptop, not the cat. I'm allergic to cats. (laughs) Joe with Precious. Wow. Her name is Little Bitwell. Little Bitwell. Okay, so as we connect into our next scene, this is probably, I really enjoy early brand scenes, especially season one brand scenes. Not that I don't like him uh, proceeding, but he's just, the actor when he was a kid just plays, I just, I love his performance so much more. Uh, and I, I mean, Hopefully in season six, we're going to see more of Bran. I know we are. So I can, I've been so separated through season five of seeing no Bran that it's, uh, it's just, I'm so excited to see these scenes with Bran because I miss him. So we see a crow's perspective flying in and this is just a perfect mesh of reality and dream done here. Obviously, again, this is very different than the way this situation's done in the books, but I think it works really well here in the show. So Bran has the same dream again of following the three-eyed raven. He tells Osha about it uh, while he's on her shoulders, and it kind of transitions into reality. In the dream, the raven lands, uh, leads him to the family crypt down below the castle, and he finds his father there in the grave. Osha takes him to the crypt in order to show him that his father isn't lingering there. They're frightened by sounds, and they think they hear something, but it ends up being Shaggy Dog and Rickon, and Rickon has had the same dream as Bran and seeing their father yeah, down. Yeah, but Bran's like, shut up, Rickon. <laughs> Told you not to be down here. Go home. And Ocean Bran emerge from the crypts with news and they find out that Ned is dead. But in this scene, it's really, you get some backstory. You hear a little bit about Liana. You hear Bran say, uh, this is where this is where my grandfather is buried down here. He was burned alive by Mad King Ares. That's my aunt Liana, my father's sister. King Robert was supposed to marry her, but Rhaegar Targaryen kidnapped her. But Robert started a war to win her back. He killed Rhaegar, but she died anyway. 
And we also, yeah. this is this is probably the most interaction we really get with Rickon and the most uh, details that we get about Shaggy Dog, which again, we don't want to get too far down that road, but Shaggy Dog is more of a factor in the books in the sense that he's a lot less trained and a lot more wild and ravenous than any of the other direwolves and everyone's kind of afraid of him so who is this kid and why does he have a direwolf again (laughs) well well he is this kid rickon stark is actually one of the stark kids yes that's right he's bran's younger brother that we haven't we see him a lot towards the beginning of this season and if I any, think he becomes like a super major character. I think so too. I'm two, pretty. Three, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we haven't quite gotten there yet, but I'm pretty sure he is a major character in season four. Him and that character Gendry that we meet later in the episode. They yeah, become. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they become buddies on the King's Road, and we see them running down the King's Road together a lot. I mean, I think most of the. I think that's why season four gets regarded. They become as like an Albert and Costello duo. Yeah, right? that's why season four gets. Get, they they bump into Arya Arya and her. Friend, friend out there, some at some point in the hound. It's it's a lot. It's a big party. <laughs> Ahmed says, "I love Shaggy Dog, the big black direwolf and the green eyes." After Ghost, he is my favorite. <laughs> Tom, you're not that late. We're just kind of in the second or so scene. Welcome, my friend. Welcome. So, and thanks for coming to our show, everybody. Have a good dude, night. We'll talk to you guys later. Good night. <laughs> so, so Sorry you missed it, Tom. <laughs> so I guess there's not much else to say in this scene. We get to see uh, Lewin come out to tell Bran and Osha what happened to Ned. And I like how they do it. They kind of fade up and they go to silence as you're looking at it from maybe a crow's perspective watching what's happening, possibly, or looking at it from one of the tree's eyes. Uh, what, what the hell am I talking about? But I just like how they sort of cut above and you don't actually hear Lewin tell Bran you just see him sort of looking like he's expecting this he's expecting what what Lewin's about to say to him and I mean it's it's fair to say that Bran's dreams are a big part of season one they're a bigger part of of uh the book story but I like how the show does it from a show's perspective of of, of this is a very difficult moment to pull off what they do in the book to the show, and I think they do it they do it pretty damn well as well as they can in this in hooking up with the dreams and seeing Ned in the dreams and just the way it all balanced out. I I very much enjoy the way it's done. Yeah, <laughs> guys, and, and, and coming from me who hates these kind of uh, dream sequences and vision crap and shows, I do think they did it pretty good, and they. And they keep it to a minute with all the fantasy stuff. And that's the hardest thing to explain to people when you first started watching the show, trying to tell people about how awesome it was and that they should watch it. They're like, oh, it's that Lord I, of the Rings fantasy crap. I don't like, like fantasy. It's a, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Like you can ignore, you can really, and throughout season one, you can ignore any fantasy, mystery, magical shit. Until almost the last season. Right. The last uh, Rest, couple of things. Yeah, and I agree with you. I know so many. Uh, scene. Yeah, the last scene of this episode. And right. I know and I know so many people that ha- that hate fantasy that still like Game of Thrones. It, right. It, Same here. And uh the people that hate fantasy that haven't watched Game of Thrones won't watch it for that reason. Oh, this is all dragons and shit. I don't watch dragons yeah, and shit. Yeah, dragons. Dragons and shit. It's like, don't, dude, you don't understand. You, there's like, okay, yes, but no. <laughs> it's very hard to explain to people. Like, Let's jump in the chat for a second. Farquaad says, guys, spoiler about that Rickon and Gendry stuff. Come on, guys. 
And Ahmed says, my first time live. Greetings from the Netherlands. Welcome, Ahmed. So glad that you're able to join us live. It's it's 6 p.m. here, 1800 hours. Awesome to follow the uh, PC, the conversation live. And that's why, again, we like to do these things at different times when we can. And these and we're trying to do these Game of Thrones ones more often. So we're going to probably do a lot of them on these Friday afternoon stretches uh, when on Joe's off weeks on work. Because I think every other week he has these Friday afternoons off. Yeah, so Every other Friday from here on it. So we'll bid that. Sam, very cool. Never been to the Netherlands, but my parents went there for my dad's 40th. Holland represent. Oh, wow. We have awesome, awesome group going on in the chat right now, yeah, guys. My, uh, my parents went there, actually, this last spring as well. And as we say all the time, if you guys are listening to this on the audio cast, on the podcast, you can always subscribe to our podcast. You can find the that in the description box below on YouTube. And if you're listening to this, you can always join us live on the YouTube play page. Please subscribe to Phil the Issues Guys YouTube page or Phil's Recap and Review if you do either of those searches. But Or it's uh, youtube.com backslash the Issues Guys stuff. And please come over and subscribe and find out when we go live so you guys can join in the live discussion as well. Anyway, so let's continue. So then we get after that scene with Bran and Rickon and Osha and Lewin, we go to cat we see uh catlin stark walking through the men kind of trying to keep her composure as she's obviously found out what just happened and she ends up uh going into the woods woodsy area where she begins to straight out sob and i have said this before and i will say it again the actress michelle fairley more than any other actress on the face of this earth, nobody to me plays crying, freaking out crazy better than this actress. I loved her in 24 when she did it. Really? I, you, you, so this is this is actually you, a, a point you, of contention with me because Hollywood hires an actress to do this in every fucking movie I've ever seen her in. And everybody tells her as the like the best and prettiest actress of all time. And I'm like... Aside from the one movie everybody always brings up, and everybody in the chat room is gonna is gonna type it in as soon as I'm done saying her name. You think she's better at it than Charlize Theron? Well, yeah, I, I don't like. I think she, I'm not a big fan of Charlize Theron. I think she. I wanna. I she is. The, she does it in every movie from from like The Yards, Devil's Advocate. Yeah, the and I and I don't think and I don't think and I don't think she's as good as Michelle Farley at it when she like really plays crazy. Like I'm talking about not necessarily just crying. I'm talking about crying, insane, crazy, and and can like hysterical, and then can switch it over to insanity in the sense oh, we're gonna kill them all, Rob. Yes, and yeah. just her switch as she hears Rob crying, and she runs over to him, and she stops him, and and sees these smashing his sword against a rock, and she goes a tree. He's like bashing tree. the tree, isn't he? and he says you've managed to. Uh, he says you, Rob, you've ruined your sword. And then she said, he says, I want to kill them all. Every one of them. I will kill them all. My boy. And she says, my boy, they have your sisters. We have to get the girls back. And then we're going to kill them all. And, and you really feel for Rob in this moment. He feels his age for probably the only time in the entire uh, series, I would say. Really, you feel Rob's age in this moment. Yeah, he's, he's only like 18. I mean, he seems a little older in... In this, he seems like he's in his early 20s, 23, 24, but he's only supposed to be like 17, 18 years old at the time this is happening. Uh, Tom so. says, in these early seasons, you can really tell how much the guy that plays Bran has sprouted. The show has plays over a period of two years. <laughs> LOL. Absolutely. And just 
think about the cre- the cry. Oh my gosh, heartbreaking. Now that's a trigger episode. I don't even want to talk about what the chat's talking about right now. Uh, and and I, but I agree with you, Joe. I might not be a big fan of uh, Charlize Theron, but she does she does a good job of that as well. I just I never really connect to it in the it's way the only that thing she does do. What was that? It's the only thing you think she does. With, do. the, with the exception of Monster, which everybody was like, "Oh, she's great in that movie." That's the one movie that everybody always is like, "You can't say bad stuff about her." She was in Monster, and then the only other movie I kind of like, Devil's Advocate, like her in, nope, is um, Hancock. Believe it or not. Oh, Hancock! I yeah. I fucking hate that movie. But we no, can talk. I about- love other movies that she's. I love Devil's Advocate. In spite of her, I love. Viggo okay, Martinson why the fuck are we talking? Yeah. Unbelievable movie. Okay, unbelievable. now let's uh, continue. And uh, and I, I actually would not mind seeing her and Michelle Fairley working together in something. I think they would play uh, good sisters or good something I don't or other. Particularly want to see Charlize Theron in anything. <laughs> John is one year younger. He's fifty. Clothes. <laughs> Scratches all over her body. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Michelle Fairley also did a good job on Suits, too. I don't know if I've ever seen Suits. So let's continue into speaking of scratches all over someone's body and what someone would do to some. I'm talking about the scene in Devil's Advocate when she opens up the thing when she's in the church and oh, she has right, all the right, devil's right, right. Okay. So, so speaking of the devil, we've got Joffrey's court, which is oh, that little bastard. fucking hilarious. Joffrey is listening to the th- is into listening in the throne room to a troubadour singing of King Robert's death. I'll I'll do the song here for a second. Let me, uh, the, the boar's great tusks, they bode ill will for the good Robert's health. And the beast was every bit as fat as Robert was himself. But this our, is a great song. But our brave king cried, do your worst, I'll have your ugly head. And you're nowhere near as murderous as the lion in my bed. Ooh. King Robert yeah, he's, Lock- calling, he's calling the dead king a, a fat, lazy, can't kill, can't kill a boar. And the boar isn't as bad as his wife. Who's fucking who's her brother? Just as murderous and and hoary, like this is a very insulting song. King Robert and lost. He the, had, is being forced to play this in front of the court. Fucked up. King Robert lost the battle and he failed his final test. The lion ripped his balls off and the boar did all the rest. Ooh. Holy shit! Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a telephone call. Welcome to the show, caller. How are you doing today? Hello, caller. Can you hear yeah. me? Hey, what's up, buddy? Not much. What's going on? I was calling about the song. Is that not the dumbest fucking thing to do at the moment? Whenever he sung that fucking song. I know. What was he thinking? Did he think it was? He was forced to sing the song. But when- I guess he thought maybe Cersei would thank him for doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Good point, the, the, my friend. The, the, the Good call, was, my friend. He was ripped out of like a tavern. And uh, and brought there like that's I think the same musician that was in the tavern with Tyrion, Tyrion and and Michelle Farr and uh, Stark woman there, Catelyn Stark. <laughs> good, a good, Catelyn, very good call though. And I do want to say that as much as Joffrey hates the song, and I think that the caller's point, which is oh, a funny Catelyn good point. Hates oh, Catelyn, ha- no, I mean uh, Cersei loves this song. This Cersei's well, like I think I think they I think Cersei's smiling at listening to this song because she's like, yep. You're damn all right. kind of like it. No, she can't have that. She can't have that at all. She's very upset and insulted. This song no. can't be sung in taverns. It undermines everything she's going to try to work for and try to get. Cersei loves it. Cersei, yeah, lo- there's a part of her, of course, that loves it. That she's in any song. 
you know. No, and what it's talking about, it's talking about uh, how she's outsmarting Robert. Robert was a big dumb idiot that got his got his balls ripped off by her, the lion that they're talking about. Uh, it calls her a murderous. She did. Murderous. She's the type of person woman. that would say thank you to that. She loves it. She owns it. She's like, thank you. I'm the best. Yeah, that, that poor bastard. That got, poor bastard. He's sorry he had to be so fucking clever. <laughs> Caller, what's going on, buddy? No, that's uh, it's me again. If you had that choice of the ham or the tongue, what, what would you choose? Oh, my God. Uh, I think. Because of number three in the mornings, I think I'd have to. No, wait. You uh, have another hand. I have another hand. Oh God, that's tough, dude. Oh, dude. Okay, give me a second. Would be taking both hands though, wouldn't he? Yeah, probably. With jo- knowing Joffrey, he probably would take both hands, wouldn't you say? Oh, Good shit. call. Yeah, Let's, I, we're gonna talk I, about I this. Think Good. I'd let him See, take I'm my tongue before take, I lose my hand. Tongue. Thank you, caller. Uh, what do you What do you say? The caller says the tongue. What do you say, Joe? Tongue or hands? I mean, I, for what I do, I'm a fucking talkative asshole. I would probably have to, even though I play, it's weird. I play drums and I talk, like, I would say probably I'd lose my hands. I th- I don't think I could I mean, not talk. You can talk. still sing and write, you know, and you can fashion things to the end of your arms. Right. I mean, it's, especially in this time. I mean, if we were, if we were in now, if we were, if we were now, now, and we were in, in the world of today, maybe, hands. maybe because then I could get a little, those like computerized voices and we could be listening to, hello, Phil, this is the Phil podcast. Welcome to the fuck. Po- I, I would definitely take, if it was right now, I would lose my hands because you know what? I, there's just too many people I need to scream at in life. Very true, Joe. Very true. <laughs> it, it just doesn't translate well when you write that shit down and like show them a piece of paper. <laughs> and awesome calls, by the way, caller. Thank you for calling, and we really do appreciate it. And anyone else wants to call or you ever want to call, 24 hours, seven days a week. You can always leave voicemails as well at 781-990-8509 for any calls, any questions, any requests. And if you want it for a specific show, if you're leaving a voicemail, just let us know what show you want to uh, – You, it's 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 uh what show you want us to play the message on i was gonna say pertaining and to what it. show you're talking about right what, what show you're that's that's the word i couldn't think of the word pertaining for some reason or whatever show you're uh talking to pertaining to uh let's go into the uh conversation go into the chat for a second uh vaughn says what a way to go for one of the greatest warriors in westeros sam says oh that makes more sense because i was wondering why he would perform that song in front of joffrey making such jabs as father and mother tom says tongue for- his father just died Tom says, tongue for sure. Sam says, yes, he said all the fingers. So it would have been both all the fingers. Vaughn said, when Roderick Castle said he'd rather throw himself down a well, he should have listened. Farcloud says, she smiled because she knew she would kill him. Tom says, you can do sign language. So, And uh, Farcloud says, the tongue as well. And I again, I, I think it depends a lot on the time period. If I was in... Yeah, I don't want to not be able to wipe my ass. Very true. Unless you were rich enough to hire someone to do it. He's not. He's a minstrel. Traveling the road. <laughs> so, uh, so after all this situation, he eventually we talked about this. He he says, "Oh, uh, that's a funny song, isn't it? Thank you for your rendition. I can imagine it was even better received at the tavern. I'm sorry, Your Grace, and I'll never sing the song again." Who do you think ratted this guy out? Who read this guy out to Joffrey? Who was in the tavern that heard the song that told Joffrey? There was a lot of people. It's not. There was. A, I mean, that's a big town. Yeah. Somebody. Somebody. Do you think? That Joffrey was probably very thankful of whoever ratted him out of this guy. He gave him a Well, he gets to make an example. He gets to set the tone for the city. You will not speak ill of me, of my family. 
So tell me what you favor, your fingers or your tongue, your grace. He ends up getting ill in pain to cut out his tongue. And you just hear these screams in the background as Joffrey like punches out for the day. It's just a really funny moment where he's like, okay, mother, I'm done for the day. And he like punches his time clock out. Like, now you can continue for the evening, mother. And then he walks. Never being able to taste your food again. Oh, God, that sucks. Push the food around in your mouth. Like when something gets stuck to the roof of your mouth. Oh, having a Miss Ash, welcome so much for a live chat. Finally with us live. Great to have you, my friend. Great to have you. So each man needs hands, your grace. So Illin takes out the sentence and yeah, never being able to eat again. Like I would never be able to taste food again. Would you still have some sense of taste because of the nerves in the back? Because you couldn't cut the whole tongue out and you still have your n- smell. So you maybe be able could could like feel essence of something possible. He also got maybe the sympathy of Illin Payne doesn't take your whole tongue oh he is he's given no sympathy no fucking sympathy for me no he's taking he's taking the whole thing right yeah he's down as far as he can he's he's also eating it later tonight he's like frying that on the stove and eating that (laughs) maybe i'll grow back if i eat this guy (laughs) yeah i can sir you know he's like signing to joffrey can i a red priestess (laughs) yeah g G e t get me yeah i'm sorry i I know the alphabet a b c d e f g anyways so (laughs) I just sort of messed around with it in the book, but I could, I know the alphabet. I could spell I could spell it out. I, I'm at a starting point where I could start to communicate anyways. I did a play once where I learned sign language. So I so I just love how Joffrey kind of like punches out here. And then and I'm done for the day, mother. And then he just goes over to immediately over to uh to Sansa and starts like going, huh, Sansa, you're looking fine today. What's going on, babe? Why don't you come with me? And he's still trying to play nice with her. He like wants to make this a surprise. He's like, hey, babe, you're looking so good. Why don't you take a walk with me? And they take a walk outside and he eventually, uh, and the hound's like, come on, you better come, better come with, you know, you know, come with us. It's not going to be a big deal. And she eventually sees, brings her outside, and she sees all the heads of of uh, George W. Bush and her mace and her uh, and uh, her father and her and uh, who else is it? It is her her um, what's her name? Fucking her her uh, her handmaiden there. I'm blanking on their names. What they call the handmaidens there, but not Septa. Septa, yeah, no, her uh, her. Gosh, yeah, her scepter's there. I'm blanking on her last name. I'm sorry. I had a had a having a senior moment here for a second. So, so she brings her out, and this is just a horrible Joffrey moment where he's just like, "Look at them! Look at them!" And I like how quickly Sansa kind of turns herself into Scepter Mordain, yeah, and uh, and kind of puts herself into just like focus mode here for a second. And this is probably the strongest we see her from. The last time we see her strong for a really long time. And she just goes, how long do you want me to look? And then he's like, well, 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 as long as I make you. And then she's completely strung out looking. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Scepter Mordain says Tom. She's completely strung out looking, but she also shows surprising resilience to me in this scene where she just she's pissed. Where she just gets in his face. She's dead anyway. Absolutely. And also, she just, uh, she, I think, really believes that Rob is going to kill him now. That, she, and, uh, and she's like, I, and he's like, I can't wait to bring you Rob's head and I'm going to serve you Rob's head to, to feed it to you and all this other shit. And, and then she turns it around and goes, What if he brings me yours? <laughs> and, and she, he just freaks out and go, and starts going into the whole, uh, whole, 
Well, my father, well, my mother told me never to, one second, one second caller. My father never told, told me never to hit a woman and he ends up having Sir, uh, Marin fucking Trant slapped the shit out of her two or three times back and forth. Uh, one, and we'll continue. One second. Welcome to the show, caller. What's going on, buddy? Um, I think it would have saved a lot of people and a lot of lives. It possibly would have just fucking pushed him. <laughs> we were about to get into that. I agree with you. A hundred and fifty. Jump on him, push him. And ultimately, if you are right, Joe, and good, great caller, great cause, buddy. And ultimately, if you are correct in what you say, that Sansa essentially believes that she's dead anyways, why not just do it? Why not just dive bomb him there? Just like charge him and tackle instead of just turning and thinking about it and having the Hound stop her. And considering where the Hound possibly could go after this, I'm surprised the Hound didn't just let him do let her do this. Right. If she if she had tried, he might have. He might have, yeah. I think. But then again, the Hound knows that if she succeeds, he's probably, if he doesn't get out of the city, he's murdered. He's killed for failing in his job of protecting Joffrey. Even though it's technically not his job, it's the King's Guard. She should have kamikaze that is out of sin. And someone asked who would take a tongue more kindly, uh, Drogo or uh, or or Ilan Payne. I think Ilan Payne would be a little bit more uh, sensitive about it. Personally, I think I think Drew is just like, give a fuck for fuck you. It depends on how mad Ilan still is. Very true. Very true. They should have Goldberged his ass. Question Drogo is, might start out and then be like kind of disgusted by the whole thing. Ilan might be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to eat this tongue. And <laughs> I still think he's cooking it. Yeah. Ahmed says, question, did she want to throw herself from the wall or did she want to push the king because it was the hound that stopped her? I think probably a little bit of both. I think Sansa at this point is already starting to give up and shut off, as Joe was saying. And she's thinking about... I don't give a shit about taking my own life in this situation. Personally, I think that's definitely part of her part of her uh, her her thought here. And I mentioned this in my fun facts video, but and mentioned this a second ago. You can also see George W. Bush's head uh, next to Septa Mordain up on the uh, one of the spikes. Yeah. So then we get to Rob and his men, and even though this is a, for a bad reason, I love seeing something that we don't get to see as much in whoops spoiler alert that we don't get to see as much in future seasons i love seeing the men of the north interacting and not to do because i know it gets compared to a lot of the times it has nothing to do with it but i just mean this in the sense of i love it in the same way you see in the lord of the rings movies the hobbit world and how the hobbit world is kind of separated from every the rest of the world of middle earth and they have their own hierarchies and their own interactions like when the family's all hanging out at bilbo's uh party and just the way they're all talking to each other there's a sense of that with the northern men they have their own language their own way they talk to that's not connected to any of the rest of West, Westeros. We've talked about this a lot before. The North is bigger than all the rest of the other six kingdoms, practically, and together almost, right? Is it about the same size? So there's like this separation from it and different culture in a way. And I there love is less people that live up there because you know it's the fucking North. It's because it's, it's a fourth cold. But because of everything, they have this their own identity. And I love that about seeing the Northern men interact with each other. It's it's very fun. Sir, Sir Pounce got Ilan Payne's tongue. <laughs> Vaughn. 
<laughs> and Lynch Stroll says, uh, Ilan Payne keeps it. I think Ilan puts that tongue in his mouth when no one's looking and pretends he can talk. He keeps it with his tongue collection. Max, welcome, Max. Come on, Sansa was just a kid and she expected Rob to come and save her and, uh, and saved her and killed Joffrey. I agree with that. I think she probably expected... I think she, until that very moment that Ned actually died, expected that Joffrey would save Ned in, from Cersei in this situation, that Joffrey was her white knight and would ultimately protect her and not want to do anything to truly harm her. So, and what a Goldberg is, is Goldberg was a wrestler. And I, and one of his final moves, I believe, he just did this, like, chart, like, we threw the guy off a of ropes and he just, like, jumped into him and shit. So I think that's what the person was saying, Sam was saying when she said, or, when, or someone was saying when they said a Goldberg to Goldberg. Someone. I think I don't think they were talking about the uh, the ABC sitcom series <laughs> the, starring uh, starring uh, Jeff from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. So uh, so oh yeah no yeah as Ron said Bill Goldberg the wrestler yep. Uh, so Rob and his men. What's important in this scene is. Rob, they start talking about where the northern houses should 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 give their loyalty now that Joffrey's king and Stan and Stannis and Renly are both uh, stating their claims. Rob says something very interesting, very idealistic, where he's where he's like, Renly can't be king because Bran can't lead Winterfell while I'm around. It just can't happen. Very Ned-like in his decision-making process here. But ultimately, all the other lords of the North uh, d declare that, fuck that king, and it's put on mainly by Big John Umber, who is just amazing in the scene, yelling and screaming, ah, the king of the North, king of the North! Yeah. It, and it goes into the whole king of the North thing where they all declare Rob the king of the North. Worst thing that ever happened to the kid. The worst thing that's ever happened to him uh, is in the dialogue here when uh, when when Theon says to him, "Am I your brother? <laughs> Brothers for life. Now and always, my sword is yours in victory and defeat from this day until my last." Oh, I really believe this Theon guy, Joe. I, I do too. You know, he's a little bit shifty, but. I think he really loves the Starks, his brothers. <laughs> imagine Lynch Troll says, imagine if uh, Illin gives you a blowjob. Imagine if Illin tried to give uh, future Depends Theon. Depends on how rough those those scars are in there. I was just going to say, imagine a situation where if some fan 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 stories that have Illin and uh, Theon's future self having an interact sexual relationship. <laughs> that'd be that'd be a lot of pain going on in that relationship. So, Firecloud, love the Goldbergs. Me too. I'm actually. I know Joe doesn't like it, but I'm a. I'm actually a pretty big fan of uh, of the of uh, the Goldberg series. No, I don't dislike it. Oh, I, I thought you. Re I thought you really. You hated the kid. You hate, hate the middle son. You hate Barry. The, old, the older brother. Yeah, yeah the older ba Barry Goldberg. Uh, I can't refer to that jerk by his other name. Says Sam. Oh my God. Or uh, yes. Absolutely. Roger Castle should have uh, struck him down, this Theon bastard. No, but Theon's a very good guy. Uh, and uh, I, j I can have All the Northern Lords basically agree that they can all have peace in their own little factions uh, with the wars that they have within each other. And they can all get behind Rob Stark as King of the North. And you say this is the worst thing to happen to Rob. And I know someone that agrees with you, Joe. Catelyn Stark, who's watching this all... Nonplussed. Yeah. Nonplussed by all this. She is not happy about this whole situation. Yeah, you know, Rob, you're not the king of the north. You're the lord of Winterfell. Don't be going to overstep your bounds. 
This is not like we don't have the men or the means to start a revolution right now. You can't do this. Yeah, you're getting a little carried away, Rob, is what she's thinking in that situation. She's really kind of like, uh, uh, this is not a good thing. Like, uh, honestly, if he had just said, you know, if listen to the to the letters and, and you know, not Renly, but uh, Stannis is the, is the rightful heir, some shit, he could have, like, that that those two forces combined, they might might be able to do it. But. I want to jump into the the text for a second. We have someone from New York, Kingston, New York. What's up, Phil and Joe? Listening to your Game of One season review right now, but for some reason the chat isn't working for me. You can jump into chatwing.com backslash I've got issues, man. And that just the link to that is in the description box below. We have uh, created an alternate chat because YouTube chat does not work for some people, and I've contacted YouTube and they don't care about it. <laughs> also for the disconnects and the freezes. They're just like, uh, we don't know what's happening. Sorry. Uh, and we have a couple other people from texting. We have someone from Florida. Hi, Phil. I'm new to the live videos, but I'm having a hard time finding the chat. No one is in the chat wing, so I'm in the wrong place. Sorry. Uh, I. It's just not many people are using the chat wing yet. If you write in the chat wing, I can read it. I will be able to read it. So feel free to post in that right now, or you can keep texting if you want. And we also have a voicemail. Let's listen to the voicemail. You know, I would much rather have Theon's bow than his sword. He <laughs> seems like a hell of a lot better archer. But I would agree. Yes. Theon does seem like a pretty good archer, and it seems like probably one of the few things he's actually good at. And I agree. I would, and my bow and my ox. I, maybe they didn't want that scene to sound too much. Again, like, like, and you could have my bow, my ox, my sword. Right. Yeah. That would sound a little bit too. <laughs> Uh, okay, I accidentally just spoiled something for someone in the chat. I'm ca I'm I'm cautious when people ask questions like that. Uh, who is Reek? I I know who he is. I thought it was Joe. Oh, they were asking who Reek is. Yeah, guys, and I say this a lot. I said it before. We're gonna try to keep. If you are watching Game of Thrones for the first time and you're listening to this at any point in time, and you're checking out the chat live, and this is your very first time, and you just watched this episode for the first time. I would tread somewhat lightly, and it doesn't hurt to watch the episode first and be caught up with Game of Thrones. We try to not talk about seasons uh, two, three, four, five, and future six stuff, but we're only human here, and we're not we're not like ironcladding our balls here to that. So, so we, we'll try our best, and we'll play the game at, a little bit. And at this point, come on, guys, it's not our fault if you haven't watched season one, two three, four, and five, and are watching our talk show about it. Thank it's you. Just we, not we appreciate we appreciate that kind of support. <laughs> what Joe what Joe's trying to say is we appreciate that kind of support. Yes. But maybe you might want to go watch Game of Thrones first. It's all we're saying. Thank, thank you, thank you, Phil. I'm That's a politician. As, as we've declined decided on the last Sunday's Game of Thrones uh, Walking Dead cast, I'm a politician. I'm a little too blunt. Yes. Uh, speaking of which, no. Uh, when does season six come out? They aren't sure exactly. They've actually April. they but they pushed it back. They said it's actually going to come out later than normal. Uh, oh, those bastards! You bastards! Sorry, Joe. I didn't mean to make you angry. So Jamie, then we get an, a probably one of my favorite Jamie Lannister scenes of all time here, and I and I love it's the scene when I first watched the series that made me like Jamie. It, it, this this scene was the start of it for me, to be honest with you. And I know, yeah, he throws a kid out a, out a window, Joe, and fucks his sister. But I just love Jamie's attitude in this scene. Oh, so, he's a... Pompous cock. He's a, he's a he pompous... Yeah, 
okay, I can admit to trying to murder your little fucking boy, but I'm still such a little fucking coward, child, baby fuck that I can't admit to fucking my sister to you as the reason why I tried to murder your 10-year-old son. That's the person you say, I kind of like this guy. He's still a coward. He's still a little piece of shit. And he still can't admit the actual reasons why he's fucking done the stupid shit he did. Tim O30, I can absolutely see you in the chat wing chat room. Welcome, welcome. So hopefully this will work as an option for some of the people that cannot get into the YouTube live chat. So yes, I can absolutely read your message, my friend. And I mean, I, I agree with you, Joe, to a certain extent, but ultimately it's... Uh, it's all for love. Okay. Like, so, no, it's all for it's all for love. It's so, all, uh, he can't he can't admit to it. He can't even say because because of love. No, there's but, nothing about it that's love. It's all shame. It's all a dirty little secret. He needs to hide it. He can't admit to it. He murdered this woman's son. He's now a captive. He still he still can't. Farcoats is a joke in the chat about the spoiling thing. But yeah, we like to say that because we do know there's occasionally people that have said to us they're watching this for the first time. So I like to be somewhat protected. I don't think you got any of our people that are listening live would be. I like the part when he talks about how he has more honor than her husband who died because of a strict honor code. Yeah, Jamie, way to go. So the scene, the, the scene goes back and forth. Lady Stark, I, she wants to see him. Uh, and Jamie immediately goes into, you look very lovely tonight. Widowhood becomes you. Your bed must be lonely. Is that why you came? I'm not at my best, but I think I could be of service. You slip out of that gown and we'll see if I'm up to it. As she just grabs a rock off the ground, it just smashes him in the face a couple times. And his reaction to that is, oh, I do like violent women. And as we know, he really does. Uh, and she goes, I will kill you tonight. Pack your head in a box and send it to your sister. And then he goes, let me show you how. Hit me again over the air and again and again. You're stronger than you look. It shouldn't take that long. Is this what you want the world to believe, isn't it, that you don't fear death? And he goes, I don't. The dark is coming for us all. Then why cry about it? Because you're going to the deepest depths of seven hell if the gods are. And this is where he goes, if the. If the gods are just, what gods are those? The trees that your husband prayed to? Where were the trees when his head was being chopped off? If your gods are real and if they are just, why is the world so full of injustice? And she says, because of men like you. And he says, there are no men like me, only me. And then she turns to Bran. How about my son? Uh, how'd he fall from the tower? And Jamie's like, as Joe pointed out, he freely admits he pushed him. I pushed him. I, why? why? I would hope that the fall would kill him. <laughs> why? And then he clams up, Joe, as you said, and which I think is somewhat of a pussy move. Coward. He cowers into this of the why because because and this is this is where you can disagree with me, Joe, and I know you will. I think he cowers because he feels bad for what he did. I think he feels sad that Ned Stark is dead, that he didn't get a chance to finish off what he feels like he started in that fight with Ned and kill Ned himself. I feel yeah, like he wanted to. I think Jamie genuinely, in his own fucked up sense, has a sense of what he considers honor, and in his honor, that's a shit way for Ned Stark to die and he didn't deserve that. I think you, he you think you think that's why he clammed up not No. Not no, I, let me finish. Let me finish. Was, let me he, finish. He, let me finish Joe. And like I, I th let me finish. Let, okay, I'm turning Joe down for a second. Now, I also think that 
that he did it because of the fact that he feels bad for what he did to the kid and that he did it because it was Cersei's pushing, no pun intended, to force him into that as he did it for quote-unquote love. I don't necessarily abhor him for it or say it's okay, but I don't think he's completely 100% to blame for it. Joe, tell me I'm an idiot. Well, he's he's just there's no reason for him not to say why he did it. There's n- absolutely no reason. They already have the rumors. Is he protecting? Is he protecting Cersei? Children. Is he protecting Cersei and protecting uh, his it kids? It doesn't protect anyone. It he's protects his kids. It doesn't matter what he says or doesn't say. It protects they can his say kids. He said anything. It protects his kids. From what? From getting killed because they're not Robert's kids. Okay, now, is there or is there not already a letter been circulated? Not saying yet. That these are- not yet. I don't believe. I don't think now, Stannis. I don't think Stannis, Stannis is- hasn't already started making those. And those that's still or- rumors from a bitter asshole. It's still hearsay. There's still no proof, but there would be proof if it was coming from Jamie Lannister's mouth that I fuck my sister. It's plausible deniability until you can't prove that anymore. It's why it's why future hop in the time machine, zip, zip, zip. It's why Cersei continuously says, I did not fuck my brother. I did not fuck my brother. She knows it would mean the death of her kids immediately. Right, but it, the, the thing about Jamie admitting it now to Catelyn means almost nothing because they're alone. It doesn't matter. I tend to agree like, with you. I'm just, I, I just like arguing. I, t- I mean, I tend to agree that Jamie had no reason to exactly admit it in the, he probably could have admitted it in the situation and it wouldn't have made the situation better and or worse. It wouldn't have verified that that was true. He could just deny it later. I do think he gets clammed and emotional when he talks about love because he knows probably somewhere in his heart that it's wrong. And but he still loves her, so he's protecting so the lie. This is a complete narcissist moment. This is a complete sociopathic moment. There's zero care or concern for anybody but himself and the way people view him and his honor. This is 100% completely self-serving. Interesting. The same reason why he's, you know, he attacks her. He's He's trying to, like snottily charm her a little bit and insult her at the same time which is why he gets hit with the rock he compares his his honor is is larger and deeper than ed's this is a complete that's not all he wants that's not all he wants to give her that's not all that's longer and deeper than ed's no i'm kidding so let's jump in the chat for a second (laughs) sam says yes cersei's cunt part of my french is the best part of her according to multiple people in the show so she was easily able to manipulate jamie for the most of his life especially because he had never gotten any action before her ahmed says john aaron and stannis already knew and he john aaron told stannis first that's why i left king's landing i just wonder if stannis has sent that quote-unquote letter out yet and i don't think he does that until season two on the show i could be wrong though vaughn says sam that in her cheekbones <laughs> yep <laughs> didn't know why it must be that stannis sends it out in season two because i don't think we uh I'm pretty sure he sends it out in season two. Yeah, we don't have any Stannis in season one. Right. There's just mention of him a couple of times, but but there's no actual action from Stannis. This is when there's strangely quiet over there at uh, in in house in the house of Stannis. So 
so yeah, it's just a very fun scene though. I like between Jamie and and Catelyn, and and I love uh, I love debating Jamie with you, Joe, because it is one of our fundamental disagreements on Game of Thrones, where we agree, agree about a lot, but our opinion on Jamie Lannister is something that's uh, something something that's very much. Uh, in in uh, in the opposition, so I like discussing Jamie with you. Uh, Max says I think it wasn't really on the show. So Sam, uh, Sam, yeah, and it wasn't about why uh, Stannis left. They kind of brought that up because the showrunners wanted to make Stannis as stupid as possible for some reason. Ahmed says you're right, Phil. The letter came after the letter from Ned. Firecloud says could Jamie be under some kind of spell curse from that frog witch? No, <laughs> no. If it, if unless you unless by frog witch you mean you mean Cersei, Cersei. <laughs> you mean Cersei. <laughs> Sorry about that. And uh, let's jump in the chat ring for a second. Tim says, I love Jamie in this scene. I know he's a dick, but I kind of miss this old Jamie in newer seasons. Does that make me a dick too? I guess it makes both of us dicks, Timo. And I think he co- I think he covers because if people found out his kids aren't rightful heirs, it could be a big problem for all of them. And that's kind of what I was saying as well. We also have another call. Hey, man, sorry for calling so much. It won't let me in your YouTube chat for some reason. But do you think Jamie felt some type of remorse for that shit, or do you think he's just a straight-up asshole? <laughs> and, buddy, never, never apologize. You can call in, and le- and if we don't answer, it just means that we're in mid-discussion, so we don't have the that volume turned up. But you can always, motherfucking, always leave a message on the voicemail, and uh, you can call millions of times. We don't give a crap. We will... I mean, we give a crap. We want you to call millions of times. So, uh, and ju- there's also the chat wing chat that works as well. So to answer your question, do we think Jamie feels bad at all? Do you think Jamie feels bad, or is he straight asshole, Joe? I'm curious what you think. Um, here's the thing. I think that Jamie does have an actual conscience. I think it grows in time. Um, so I think what he's feeling bad for now still is himself. I don't think he's feeling bad for Catelyn. I don't think he's feeling bad for, he's just feeling bad. He lost the battle and then he got caught that he got caught. His ego is what I think he's feeling bad for. I don't think Jamie actually has any redemption in him in, or or starts down that path until a later point until we meet another very large blonde character. Maybe even before that, a little bit it might start, but that's around around when that might even be the cat. And the uh, let's, let's jump into the chat for a second. Uh, Red Team Carmine, welcome, buddy. Hi, this is one of the best episodes ever. Amazing final ended great. Absolutely, we were talking about that at the beginning. How uh, compared to some of the other episode tens after the big episode nine, I think this ep- this one did the the best job at at following the, that crazy action that happened in nine. And I agree that this is probably one of the best episode tens that the series, the series has. I agree with that a hundred percent. We were saying that at the beginning. And, uh, also at fan says, nice. Nah, still, he still fucked her again. <laughs> at, yeah, he did. He kept fucking, he kept fucking Cersei millions of times over. So he never, he didn't oh, feel- right after the kid went out the window, he right. went back and finished up. He, finished so he didn't up. feel bad about doing that. You know, he didn't feel doesn't feel bad about what he's saying to Catelyn. He only feels bad about being caught being. So is that it's one of those things with a you don't feel bad for the it's like when a judge says to a criminal, you don't feel bad for the crime. You just feel bad that you got caught. Right. 
Sam says, I don't think she cast a spell in him, but I think she played a part on the prophecy that she had. I definitely think um, Maggie has a big part in the in Cer the person that Cersei became and somewhat in her manipulation of Jamie knowing the things especially in the book that she tells Cersei that being in complete control of her younger brothers I mean I think for the most part Cersei thinks of that prophecy by looking at Tyrion but I do think part of her has to accept that understand that Jamie is a younger brother as well and wants to kind of keep her finger on the pulse of Jamie through her whole life so I'm and she's thinking about what's my biggest weapon as we've talked about in the chat, my cheekbone and my uh, my vagina are my two biggest weapons. So let me use my cheek muscles and use my vagina to manipulate this young young Jamie Lannister to do my bidding. Max says, I don't think it's a spell. I think it's Jamie and Cersei just grew up in a really fucked up environment and they had a horrible oh, yeah. father. And it's also worth mentioning that a lot of people graze over this detail that they, not just that, they also, her... Her, both their parents are first cousins and having that as an element of your childhood and knowing that your father and mother are first cousins probably makes you more in a, and you gotta, you gotta feel realize more too that in this place, in this time, this is not an uncommon thing for relatives, maybe not brother and sister, but for relatives and family members to get to Targaryens have been doing it for years. Right, unless your name's Tar, I was going to say, unless you're a Targaryen, then it's, then it's your, uh, it's right. arranged I mean, marriage so with your sister. Right. Sister sister and brother Targaryens, yes, that's happened. But like other families in the kingdom, first cousins and stuff, you wanted to keep the wealth in the family. You didn't want to spread that around. You wanted to make sure the power and the wealth stayed with your family. So you would marry girl cousins to boy to to boys and stuff like that to keep the you know, you don't want to hand and land away. So our next scene is a very a very quick scene that we don't really need to talk too much about. It's our only Cersei moment of the episode. And we see Cersei sharing her bed with young, little, innocent, never going to be a problem to anybody in the future, Lancel Lannister, who, who thinks it's so exciting that they're at war. Interesting you put it as sharing. Sharing her bed. And I don't really think there's much sharing going on. <laughs> shut up and get back in bed. <laughs> shut up and shut up and get under my covers and get ready to to wear the uh, the Choda Boy helmet. The crown. The, or the, I think she she hasn't wear Choda Boy from Orgasmo helmet. And if anyone needs to look that up, you can stop this video and Google that. And I think Lancel's wearing one of those masks. <laughs> who, who I think I want to be for. Uh, Shota boy. Red team says in the books, Tyrion refers to Lancel as a discount Jamie. Has all the elements of Jamie, but much smaller and much cheaper. Joffrey would have been the king. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ahmed says that's what you get with with incest. Look at the Mad King. Uh, and that and jo some could say with Joffrey too. Even though the other two kids seemingly ended up pretty normal, not all of them end up you know, fucked in the head or misformed, deformed. It's, it's interesting that it was one for three. Do you, and I guess it's the, it's a bigger question of nature versus nurture, a bigger issue here on that, whether we could say that Joffrey became cr so crazy because of being so close to Cersei growing up and ha having that sort of a hotbed or because of the incest thing of Jamie and Cersei being her, being his parents. I, I mean, I would say 
it's seemingly if we use the use the information pr given to us it would seem that it's more for being that close to Cersei because the other two kids ended up all right but it, that's kind of hard to tell I think Joffrey was also predisposed to insanity from the stories we get in the book about him as a kid and killing the cats and this and again we talked about this in other episodes where in the books Robert talks a lot more to Ned about knowing that Joffrey is fucked in the head and catching him doing a lot of messed up shit well I think too we know that there was another child at some point before Joffrey. Yes, yes, the uh... that didn't make it. So when Joffrey comes around, you know that she's gonna not literally smother, but smother Joffrey and keep him close and raise him. And then you know when it's time for the the daughter to come and then Toman to come, uh, Marcella, 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 when you know she can relax a little because she's her other son has made it she's you know she doesn't have to worry about them continually dying at this point uh, absolutely good point uh ahmed says it's a coin flip not all targaryens were mad just a coin flip so so again it's like it's with the uh with the lannister kids it was it was 25 percent of it was one of those things like okay the 25 percent rule but one in three ended up being crazy shit so we get we get this scene with uh with discount Jamie, I like that, and Cersei in bed, and he's like, I can't believe we're at war. Was it as exciting? Wait, 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 sorry, one second. Was it, uh, uh, sorry, here we go. I can't, I can't believe we're at war. Um, um, was it this exciting last time? Um, were you, when you were young? I love how he says that to her, too, when you were young. Oh, that's gotta hurt her a little bit. What does it say? Oh, my God. Have we captured Rob Stark yet? What's our next move? Oh, my God. And she goes, stop talking and get back into bed and put your Chota boy helmet on. Now. Uh, oh, my it's, God. And it's, it's funny, too, because uh, it comes right after the scene of, you know, Jamie's in, in prison, is captive, is getting beaten with a rock, is trying to stay alive, is trying to die or whatever you know but and she's fucking her cousin welcome kaylana welcome bs facts sibling incest has less genetic chance of recessive genes expressing themselves than continual cousins and repetitive siblings in a family very interesting information kaylana thank you thank you for that factoid so cousin so if like a cousin so cousins have more chance of producing the genetic gene that causes deformity or something like that with with the with the two family members because I know that's a big part of genetic problems is that is that two people that are genetically connected in rel relativity can both have certain genes for disorders or things like that and when if your family both of you can can uh, connect and then both your child can have get both sides of the gene to cause the disease. And I think like she's that. saying that when you're, when your son and daughter do it, there's less chance than when your cousins. First cousin yeah. That's, it. that's what I was saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's weird. That's weird but I, I trust the information. Uh, thank you, Kaylana. Timo says, I was lonely in the chat. Had to bring out the big computer. Welcome to the big room. Welcome to the big boys table. Uh, Add a do dog, doggy style. Holy shit. Joffrey was just a screwed up villain to hate. Yeah. He, Kayla, let's not forget it's just an Im imaginary world made by George R. R. Martin. Uh, Theory, Jamie and Cersei are Mad King's kids would make a third generation of Targaryen's kids and Joffrey express madness more. Yeah, and that's, that is a, I've heard that speculate, speculated before. Some people say that Tyrion is a Targaryen. I've also heard the speculation that Jamie and Cersei are Targaryens. Very interesting. Red Team says, 
uh, Musterman, pretty much things can be different. Like the air could not even be oxygen and they will have more gravity in their world. Oh, talking about, yeah, if we're saying this is a, uh, a magic world, then we could say yes. And then, the, and then people fly and have uh, sparkles come out of their butt when they poop or something like that. So, so we need to have some sense of based in, in the rules of the own world, so to speak. <laughs> Joe's, Joe's, Joe's a giggle fest over there so let's get to another one of my favorite scenes in the episode which I guess I could just say almost every scene in this episode is one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the episode Tywin's council and the chat is going crazy. I, you guys in the chat are fucking... Hello, Claudia. You guys in the chat are so awesome right now. And sometimes I just pause in the show and have to just read because I, I feel like the people that are listening to just the audio cast are missing a lot. Uh, thanks to Joe. If anyone who's watching the video cast can just check in to the comment section after the fact, watch the video. But anyone that's listening to the actual audio podcast, you should definitely come to our YouTube channel, subscribe to Phil the Issues Guy YouTube page, and join the live chat because that's where tons of fun happens and we're having great discussion in this, about this episode and about incest <laughs> going on in the chat room right now that I'm loving between all of the people so thank you guys okay so we get into this Tywin's council scene and I fucking love Charles Dance and I love Tywin Lannister he's so amazing and I love his singular focus in this scene he doesn't want to deal with any of the shit and he's just he goes he just has a singular focus. They took my son. So Tywin's received the news of Jamie's capture. And Tyrion oh, it's hugely insulting. He's supposed to be such a great warrior and and all this shit. It's uh it's a huge defeat for the Lannister name. They have my son, Joe. Yep. They have my son. And Tyrion not, Yeah, not not one of my sons, my son. It's like his only son. Tyrion's sitting right there, he's kinda pissed. They have my son. They have my son. And I love to, yeah, Tyrion's totally pissed, but Tyrion's the only one talking logic. Tyrion oh. says that I can't help but being impressed by Rob Stark. Tyrion points out that they can't broker peace right now because Joffrey's a fucking idiot. Taking Ned's life has ruined any chance of a peaceful resolution. Tywin freaks out. They have my son! And then kicks everybody out, except for Tyrion. He goes, after a while, he almost lets Tyrion leave, and then he just goes... And this is the moment I think he really decides that not you the choice he's going to have to to do any for anyone to do anything. The smartest person he actually knows and it kills him. It really fucking kills him is Tyrion. Now, that's a good question, Joe. Do you think that Tywin thought of the hand of the king thing with Tyrion on the spot here by realizing that Tyrion's not an idiot? Or is this something that he had like he intended to send somebody or leading into this moment, he's thinking he Shit. somebody has to go, but he's thinking it has to be himself at this point. Right. At the beginning of all this whole scene, Tywin's like, shit, I have to go there now and fucking fix all this mess. And then when he realizes Tyrion isn't an idiot, when he hears him yelling at his people and, and realizing that Tyrion isn't a moron, he makes the decision. Or do you think this is a decision that Tywin had before this moment? No, he did not. He did. He was not thinking about sending Tyrion until he realized how he was smart. Until he until until this meeting, I think he's got all his generals there, kinda. Uh, his brother and and he himself is there. He could go back to King's Landing and run the war from there. He really kind of could, probably, with messengers, with crows, and things like that. It would be a little bit. And he trusts. He, I think it's important that he needs to be on the front. And he trusts Kevin, though, if we, when it really comes down to it. I think Tywin trusts Kevin, and Kevin probably could lead his armies. Right. And uh, 
but I think at this, when, when Tyrion says this, he sees the political mind in Tyrion. This is the first time he really, and he knows his son is smart. He knows that this is his smartest child, which burns him up. But it wasn't until this conversation around I thought the was- way he speaks to all of them candidly with assertion uh, and he, he speaks the truth and he, he breaks down the whole situation perfectly. And I think this is the moment Tywin decides that he is going to send Tyrion to be hand of the king. Interesting point by uh, Carmine. Tywin isn't an idiot. He knows of Tyrion's talents, but mainly grudgingly, mainly uh, grudgingly. In the books, a lot of the other family members realize that Tyrion has a lot more than of Tywin in him than Jaime. Tyrion, right. Tywin's sister pointed it out, and Tywin didn't talk to her for a year because of it. It kills him that Tyrion is more of a Lannister than Jaime. I, I, absolutely. I think, and he obviously realizes that can call Cersei a mile away and just knows that Cersei is somebody and he says to her later in the series, you're not as smart as you fucking think you are and you think you're me, but you're not me. You're an idiot. He right. knows, and it, and I agree 100% with Carmine on this, he is so pissed off that Tyrion is the most like him or that has the strategy mind like him. If he was, if he was six feet tall, this guy would be the most powerful man in Westeros already. He's that charming. He's that smart. And if he had the physical prowess to back up his mouth, very few would be he able to He has Tywin's personality. I mean, he has Tywin's brains and, and flair for strategy. Maybe not quite as good as Tywin because he isn't isn't as experienced. Like, he would eventually. No, not yet. He would, ev- he would eventually be. But then he has this other thing that Tywin never had because of the problems that Tywin had with his father. This uh, sense of being able to laugh. This sense of being able to be a man of the people in a way that pretty much no other Lannister can. Right. No, and, and, that's, and that's true. And he... And he gets that also because he has been the black sheep of his family, mm-hmm. much like John. Exactly. It's, it could be like argued that if Tyrion was a six foot tall man that and never had to deal with a lot of this shit and never killed his mother, you know, and all that stuff never happened, would Tyrion be the same person? Would Tyrion be as good of a person as he was? Or the tragedy, not the tragedy, the tragedy and the, the things that Tyrion has been put through by Tywin did that sort of trial by fire and make him a good person because of those things? It, I think so. I, you know, when you torture someone to get them to behave the way you want them to behave, whether it's mental or physical, you run the risk of creating something much different than what you intended. Good point, Joe. And a couple other things in this scene. I love how Tyrion mentions that, yes, I'm new to strategy, but I am pretty good at it. I, I like Tyrion's honesty, and I love how he's... And again, in the books, they direct how much more nervous Tyrion and Tyrion is in this moment that Tywin's actually looking to him and asking him questions. Is, fa- is my father actually talking to me right now, like a human? And and Tyrion really steps up, and ultimately in this scene, Tywin tells him he's going to send him to King's Landing to get everyone in line and handle business and be the hand of the king because you're the only person that will tell people what they need to be told. And I think also, he also thinks if he, whoever it is, Baelish, uh, varies handle their business. But I also think he probably considers if worst case scenario and Tyrion pisses off enough people, someone will kill him. Eh, no big deal. No, sh- no, uh, no hair off my nut. Tyrion's dead, whatever. And 
I, I just love this scene between the two of them. I also want to mention that I love how Tyrion, he does give Tyrion wine, but he won't let him pour the wine himself. He yeah. makes sure he takes his wine from and has to do the pouring. And he also, the important thing to get from this scene is that he makes him promise that that whore won't come to court. Yep. And how does he know about the whore already? That's a good question, Joe. And who who is the who is the lord that the whore was taken from? I don't know. About Gingerballs or whatever his name is. Ginger cunt. Ginger cunt. What's his name? Gingercunt. A couple of, Lord Ginger cunt. A couple tents down the and it's interesting to think let's travel in the DeLorean and go to the future here for one second, Joe. At what one, two, three, if you haven't caught up with with Game of Thrones, get out of here. Okay. <laughs> what at what point does Shay become involved with Tywin? And at what point did Tywin just set this all up? Is she a spy for Tywin the whole time? And Tywin saying, don't take the whore, knowing he will take the whore? I, I, like, what point... Did the whore come from his tent? Did the whore come from Tywin's tent initially? Like, like where... At what point did Tywin become involved with said whore, with the funny whore Shay? And, and I don't know. It's, it's just, it's curious if we go into the future and see how this all turns out at what point does it happen does it not happen till his trial and he notices her and went till cersei points her out i mean it's 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 just it's uh it's (laughs) god the chat you guys are fucking cracking me up so much okay so let's go to our next scene i wasn't a big shea fan at any point in the books or ada says since the beginning since the, uh, some people say since the beginning, there may be one or two scenes that I liked her, and most people are saying that they hated Shay. I think most of the chat, she looked like she had a mustache. Someone said <laughs> the horseception. Ada fan says, yeah, maybe it was a, like the the horseception, like that new Christopher Nolan movie, <laughs> horseception, <laughs> starring Tywin Lannister as uh, as Tom Hardy character, as the I, I mean as the Leonardo DiCaprio character. <laughs> Very funny stuff. She was she was badly cast. Someone said that the Shay character was badly cast. Yeah. And someone says, "Thank you guys for I'm tuning into this. You're making my Friday workday go up by a lot quicker. That is why we're here. We're glad to be able to be here to help people through uh, boring work days. She's Shay's the Yoko Ono of Westeros." Says <laughs> <laughs> She broke up the Beatles. She man. broke up wow. the Beatles. We might meet another Yoko Ono character later on. We'll talk about that as time goes on. I can smell a horseception from a mile away, says Ada Fan. She was always Varys's woman. Varys brought her brought her uh, to him in King's Landing. Is she a porn star in reality, Timo says. I don't know. Someone will have to check on that. I know Roz is obviously, and a couple of other people that have been on the show have. Maybe she is. I... I'm not completely familiar with that information, but I'm sure someone can tell us real quick in the comment section. Roz is awesome. You should watch our interview with her or on the panel she's on rather we didn't interview her. Yeah, she's, she's good people. We'll get to Roz a little bit later in this episode. Uh, when she said she didn't want to play, that's what, uh, that's what she, sh- uh, she should have told Tyrion everything. I don't know. I, I, I just, I think it's, inter- I think let's keep an eye on that as we're going to how, if they hint at Shay being, a double agent here being the, the horseception thing going on in this situation. No, I don't think they do, but if like, I don't think they do either. I think it's more obvious again, not to go back, keep going back here. I think it's a little bit more obvious in the books that she, I think in the show because of Peter Dinklage and just the way they played some of those scenes, they played it like they were really in love. And then she did everything because of being a jaded lover is I think how the show played it. I, 
but uh, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. I think the mechanism. books did a pretty good job playing it that way, too. Um, in fact, in the books, they kind of really make it seem like she was from an almost overprivileged house somewhere in the Isles or in Essos and not necessarily a whore straight from the start. Mm. Kaylana says, yes, Shay in the Lannister war party is suspicious, but Cersei did have to point her out to Tywin. Very good point. Very good point, Kaylana. And that backs up what Joe was saying. Max also says, oh, Max is talking to Timo. So let's continue. We get our Jorah and Danny, Daenerys waking. Like, like, so, yeah, yeah. She wasn't necessarily a whore to the Lord, but maybe a noble girl from a foreign land that the Lord had taken. <laughs> we found out that Shay, yes, in fact, was in porn. People are asking for links in the comment section. And then Timo says she should have kept her day, uh, day job then. <laughs> So here we go, a quick scene with Daenerys. And I've said this at the beginning of our episode. This is one of my favorite, if not my favorite Daenerys episodes. She plays scared and freaked out really well in the tent as we notice all the Dothraki gone as well. Jorah wakes, has been standing watch over her. She finally wakes up. Jorah tells her that the baby didn't make it. Daenerys demands to see Mary Ma's door, the healer. Mary comes in, says the child was a stillborn and monstrous. It was covered in scales and had wings like a bat. And this was the price that Daenerys paid for Drago's, li Drago's life. Now, Drago's been left outside in the tents. They go out to see him. He's catatonic. He doesn't respond to Daenerys' voice. Daenerys is fucking furious at what happens. But Mary thinks that uh, thinks that she did the right thing. The Dothraki raped her, and she doesn't care. Raped bunch of them raped her before Daenerys had a chance to save her and they burned down her temple they shouldn't have done that Daenerys' son would have been the stallion that mounts the world would have conquered and murdered everyone now there'll be no raping killing and pur purging and it's just oh you silly child his men had already raped me three times over before your stupid ass came along yeah oh my I like the way they do this in the books too the way he uh he just kind of walks up like he's a zombie he still moves on his own, but he just basically moves himself into the sun and just sits there and stares into the sun all day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The chat. Uh, Red says, most of the whores in the brothels were in porn. Even some of Craster's wives were in porn. Lynch Troll says, Craster was also in porn. And Mac it's not porn. It's HBO. HBO. <laughs> that is the best video. That is hilarious. <laughs> I love that. It's awesome. So, have you seen that video? Yeah, film? no, I absolutely have. And there's also, I forget where it is. Maybe I'll I'll go through the dialogue here. There's also a a Princess Bride quote in here, but I I, I forget what it was. I did I didn't do a good job. Oh, gently. Queen of putrid of refuse. Boo! I think it's when Daenerys is being helped up and someone goes gently, gently, or something something like that. It was like a gently, gently comment. So, oh, yeah, it was, it's Jorah when uh, Daenerys is getting up. He goes, gently, gently. It's just a prince. It's reminding me of the Princess Bride. So they end up having this whole big discussion where ultimately the Mary Ma's door says, shows that Drago's catatonic. You paid for life. He's living. This is what you paid for. The blood magic gave you his life. And and when will he be as, as he was, Daenerys? wines and uh when the sun rises in the west sets in the east when the seas go dry when the mountains blow in the winds like leaves fuck you daenerys and da daenerys's face in this whole situation like i just got played yep, we've all time. we've all, all right i was so wrong it's right when that person you're at a poker table and someone shows you that bluff and you just threw away all your money and any poker player's been there at one point they show you that card not, it's not even the it's not even the bluff it's the one that you like you were beat from the start like you had the flush but they had the straight flush oh <laughs> uh, 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 
Oh, she just gets four of a kind. Your full house is beat by four of a kind. Oh. oh, and then she sends uh, Jorah away and uh, she goes, you knew what I was buying and you knew the price. It was wrong. And she goes, we talked about this a little bit. It was wrong to burn the temple and angered the great shepherd, which is uh, the God of her people. It's not God's work. My child was innocent, innocent. It was the stallion that would mount the world. Now he will burn no cities. Now the Kalisar will trample no nations into dust. Daenerys says, I spoke for you. I saved you. Save me. Those riders had already raped me before you saved me, girl. I saw my God's house burn. That's where I healed men, women counting, crying in the streets. Blah, 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 blah. Why don't you take a look at your cow and know exactly what life is worth? Yep. Damn. So that, that gets left there. And we go to John wanting to leave Castle Black as he found out what happened to Ned. He's determined to leave. Sam tries to stop him. He goes, you can't. He goes, get the hell away from me, Sam. And uh, they'll put out the world. They'll send ravens. People will come after you. Do you know what happens to deserters? He goes, first episode, dude. I know better than you do. And he goes, I got to find my brother and put a sword through King Joffrey's throat. Sam goes, you can't leave us. We need you here. And he goes, move out of my way. And he rides the hell out of there. So we'll come back to John and Sam and the Night's nice Watch stuff a little bit later as we get Tyrion and his <clears throat> funny whore scene where, where it's just Tyrion tells Shay of his new appointment and tells that his father told him he shouldn't take his whore. She pulls a hissy fit. Which Is that imme- what I am to you? Just your funny whore? And that's, what, that's immediately where to go to How I Met Your Mother. She's, her eyes are all crazy, dude. Tyrion is smart enough and he's, he should not be, he's fucked enough whores in his life that he shouldn't fall in love with the first whore that touches his face a little bit or something. Or that can bur- fake burn her hair. Calls him a lion. Calls him a lion or so, whatever. He's had, he's a whoremonger. He really right. he is. Like he immediately falls in love and doesn't smell crazy all over this woman. And that's, that's my one thing. Like once she starts going the, oh my God, like he finds it charming that she's, don't bring Shay with you to King's Landing because uh, she's a whore. Like, all he had to do to save his own his own skin at this point was this. Yes. Yes. Are you ashamed? <laughs> are you ashamed? Joe, are you ashamed of me? Are you ashamed of me, Joe? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, You're well, a whore. no, as long as you cost enough money. <laughs> right. But you are a whore. You cost one shilling a night and you think that's good pay. Shut the fuck up. I mean, seriously, though, once she starts jumping up and down and pulling the, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're staying here. You, you're you're going to be more trouble right. than good. And and. I mean, come on. I just, th- I just think, and that's not me even playing Monday morning quarterback on that. Like I'm watching that the first time. I'm like, is she really worth this? Is she, I mean, come on, bring Roz home. <laughs> I mean, p- like I pick Roz over shade fucking every, any day, man. She oh, was, yeah. she was bred for him. Horseception confirmed says Adafan. <laughs> We're through the looking class here, people. So, okay, so we go back to John and the boys. Uh, Pip, Sam, Gren, uh, right after John. And even though John has a head start, they somehow catch up to him. And they and John can kind of hear them in the background all bumbling because they're just like a useless pile of shit without John. They just, did we get him? Oh, my God, did we find him yet? Is that him? No, it's a snake. Oh, my gosh, it's a snake. I'm so craven. It's just a funny back and forth with the guys. And... 
it's just it's it's pretty just funny stuff and ultimately all the guys just tell john how much they need him and he's gonna go anyways and they do the what i call in my notes the cheers uh keep cliff clavin home thing where they all just start singing a song to him in the episode of cheers they start saying fighting soldiers from the sky fearless men that fight and die or it's some episode of something where where i think it's cheers and they start just reciting, I am the sword in the darkness, the watcher on the wall, the shield that guards the realms of man. I pledge my life in the honor of night's watch. And they just start uh, speeching that, giving him the speech. And he feels the, and Jon Snow, and Jon Snow being an honorable individual, feels it inside them. It elicits the kind of emotion that they're trying to get out of him. And they play Jon like a little bit of a fiddle in the situation. And Jon goes, ends up going back. I don't think it has anything to do with John protecting his life. I don't think John gives a shit about his life. I think he, I think it's the honor that he feels like he took a vow. And now that he took a vow, his father would not want him to break that vow. And, and let's jump into the chat for a second. Kaylana said, did you feel protect the Lannister Baratheon children when Jamie and Cersei got uh, caught fucking by a child? Who's the child deserve protection of whom? Oh, I think that's a question for the chat. Miss Ash says, I wish we could get that group back to chop off his limbs and make them watch him eat it like the Walking Dead character. I have a shitty memory for names. Bob. <laughs> I actually, part of me likes the Thens. Oh, oh, they're talking about, I'm sorry. They're talking about Ollie in the chat. I am uh, I'm not caught up with the chat. I scrolled up a little bit. There's uh Ollie talk. We have a call. Welcome caller. Uh sorry caller. Welcome to the welcome to the show. What's up, buddy? Uh, not much, man. Sorry about calling so much, but oh, no. I'm into your chat. But, no worries. Uh, yeah, John didn't care about his life, dude. Uh he would have definitely went with all that and deserted to go help his family and shit. And in the books, if it wasn't for Ghost, I think he would have got away. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it's interesting how the show takes away the importance of ghosts in a lot of ways and a lot of different stuff. And There's it, a lot yeah. of shit with the dire wolves they take away. They take away. And, and I think I wonder if that has to do with changing shit because of saving money purposes that they didn't money want. Time. They didn't want to CG and work with animals. So they're kind of pussy. They pussied out essentially because they're this like, oh, to be at least 12 to 14 episodes in order to keep the dire wolf stuff in. Yeah. We need 13 like in True Blood, but I just got one question. Yeah. How the hell did he hear Ghost whenever Ghost don't make a sound? It's a good good question, buddy. And Because uh, Ghost wanted to be heard. And Ghost on the show makes sounds. And I and I want to say that I've read a quote from either George R. R. Martin or somebody uh, talking about that change and saying, yeah, that's a change from the books. And I, I've, I'll try to find co- – uh, that confirmed, but I want to say since we've been dealing with that, or in one of the videos where I was bitching about about ghosts being too loud, someone linked me to something, and I'm, I'll look for it. That said, yeah, we changed that. Fuck it, it's not that big of a deal that we changed because ghost on the show makes noise. He just does. It, several times in this first season, in episodes leading up to this, ghost straight up barks or growls or makes makes audible noises clearly. So. This ghost talks. Uh, Thrones does need to go at least two more episodes, Carmen. I, I agree too. And I, I think especially if the show wants to end in the eight seasons or the seven, they say seven, but it's going to be eight. I think maybe the last season they should, or 
they should split they should give us 12 episode season i i think we need a few i think each especially as we get into some of the later seasons of game of thrones i think it could be very beneficial i think season one they they just squeezed it all in maybe it could have used a couple uh, one more episode or one or two more episodes but i think some of the later seasons when there's so much more going on in different places you really do need the extra time to have some episodes that just explore some of the stuff that gets taken away right from the start it should all been multiple multiple seasons Multiple no seasons, uh, extra episodes at the end, twelve to fifteen. Season uh, one could have used it, two could use it, three could use it, four could use it. They all could use it. True blood. There's so much more in the story that is left out because of time. Uh, True Blood starts sucking. Maybe True Blood's problem was it went on too long. Believe me, I used to love it. It went on too long. Says Red. I yeah. I've and heard the shark jump was the what happened with Tara. Now, now my question is, as somebody that's never watched it, is it worth watching the early seasons or don't even get involved because you might get stuck to it. Like you might get, I walked, ended up, you know me, I don't tolerate the shit, but I ended up getting stuck and I watched it throughout the whole, the whole, there's a lot of bad stuff about it. If you really like Anna Paquin, watch it. If you don't, it's going to be hard to watch. (laughs) There's a lot of bad stuff about it, but it's, it's fun to watch for the first few seasons, Phil, but <laughs> I I was so pissed with the last few seasons. That it might not be worth it. Seasons. Okay. Fair enough. Good, good, fair enough. I'll, I'll consider it when I'm running out of other shows to watch. Red says, well, once you cut out all the bullshit Sam and Gilly scenes, you could fit in all the other stuff. Yeah. As for I, t- See, I like a lot of some of the Sam stuff. I, I agree a with that. I things. like some of the Sam stuff, but some of the, like in the later seasons when we get into straight up Sam and Gilly stuff, I don't like Gilly. I'm not a Gilly yeah, fan I'm at all. I'm not a huge Gilly fan. I don't really, I kind of, I like that she's an engine for some things to happen in the books, but I don't like the character. I'm On not, the show, I don't like, like the oh, cast. I really like this. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not a big or fan the of the casting, Gilly. right. So as for True Blood, it's a cool show to watch with your girlfriend. I'll say, I'll say that much, but later on it's meh. Tim o- very meh. Tim says, I like Sam, but all those scenes were too much sometimes. Yeah, I agree too. And I like where I say I like Sam, I like Sam and John scenes together. And well, I like and I like thing, Sam and took- I like Sam and Eamon scenes together. And they took away a couple of important Sam scenes, huge character building moments. For Sam, for Sam. and Gilly bullshit. And well, not just for Sam and Gilly, but for Sam himself. Like there was a couple of things. It, uh, that we haven't gotten to yet, but over the story, the time of his story, that the show, the show left a few things out with Sam that are really good character building moments for him and help to bolster and make an audience appreciate the character more. So, yeah, I know you had put those things out, and with the extra extra episodes, we could have kept those things in. And Kaylana says they should have an end series, two and a half hour. Fi- finale i could not agree with that more and then after it initially airs on hbo do what they did last year with the imax and release it into theaters so people could watch that final two and a half hour episode on a big screen if they want to because i know there's been hints that that of you know rumors of that bullshit but i think showing on hbo and having gone to the imax to see the final episodes a couple years ago seeing thrones on a big screen is fun but i definitely don't want that to be the first time i see that two and a half hours as some people have argued maybe it should end with a movie i think no. two and a half uh, hour episode making me pay another another 30 bucks no to two and a half hour two, two and a half hour episode is a perfect way to end the entire series 
Could I'd not. be pissed if they were like, okay, final two and a half hours is on. Is You got to go to the movie theater. I would be pissed too. Dude, I'd, I'd be almost as pissed as I am that I have to pay to watch newest Star Trek series. I'd be almost as pissed off as I am about oh, that. That's awful too. That's fucking awful. We don't need, that's, a different ser- that's a different thing to talk about altogether. Okay, so then we get a quick scene of Daenerys smothering Drogo to death with a pillow after washing him clean and talking sweet to him, begging him to come back. When this, but he never comes back, and she says, repeats the line, when the sun rises in the west and sets in the east, then you sure will turn to me, my sun and stars. A sad scene. His body does react a little bit when she's trying to smother him, but I think it's just uh, convulsing. It's not him struggling to live at all. And uh, she ends up ends up suffocating him. And speaking of suffocation, we go from a very interesting transition that they go to Drogo being suffocated to the Pizel's voice <laughs> talking. Just it's just a fun transition to go from like one thing to another. It's it's uh, I I love it. <laughs> I just fucking love it. Uh, Kayline says I tell people to only watch the first three seasons of BBC Being Human with the original characters both of you told me about the audiobooks while I'm working or being on the road it's awesome to put on the audiobooks because it gives you some more info uh, and I've, we talk about the audiobooks are great especially if you can get past the the accent the guy's you know the guy's voice and the fact that he mispronounces some of the names Ketolin or Ketolin Kazelin or uh, Jeffrey or something like he calls Joffrey Jeffrey a couple of times, but it is, it is good to kind of put on the background. And then once you get used to the, used to the voice, it took me a couple of times giving it a shot before I could, before I could kind of focus in on it and get past uh, some, some, some of it. But I, I love, I listen to it all the time in the cars now. Pete, oh yeah, uh, P-Tire. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. He calls him P-Tire. P-Tire Baelish. Oh, I know Peter, and I hate uh, the voice he does for Varys I, that he chooses to do for ah, I'm Varys. I'm the spider. Like if you get past some of the voices, the information's great, and it's good to kind of just hear the book spelled out to you. But sometimes I wish it could just be like I could have like James Earl Jones' voice reading it to it's me. Funny. It's funny listening to. I see Red Team. He says he hates the guy. You you're not too. You don't really like him. It took you a while to get into him. Rather, yeah, yeah, I'm not too into uh, him. the reviews I read. We're like all everybody up in arms that they got rid of the guy and got a different guy for, for the for the last for the last book. Yeah, I, I I saw that. I think it's people who just get uh do what they're used, used to. to. Yeah, get what they're used to. And see, I, I I started listening to the audiobook film when you sent it to me, and unfortunately, the program I have that I was listening to it was going to make I couldn't like adjust where I was. I'd have to start all over again. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear age. you with that. It's tough because it's not because the way I have it in bulk because of uh, I got it it's in a, I got it I got in a completely legal means so I have it all in like these big bulk uh, files and I read said something in the chat and I think they did this on DVD extras where they have parts of uh, like the book where they have the cast members they should and that would be an excellent after Thrones is over with a big project to work on to do a complete redo- redoing of the audiobooks with the characters reading their particular chapters with the actor that played him on the show reading the chapters i want to say they that in some of the dvd extras there's a couple of points where they have like charles uh charles dance reading some some stuff and they have uh like ned reading a ned chapter or something like that i could be making that up in my mind of something i wanted to happen but i I have some memory of that he uh he plays the pyromancer in season oh we're talking about uh (laughs) 
But yeah, I would love, I would absolutely love to see, see them do something like that. That's one thing, not to get too far in the audiobooks train, it's one thing I really love about the Star Trek audiobooks is depending on who the story and the Star Trek story is about, if it's a Sulu story, for instance, they have George Takei doing the audiobook, if it's a Picard one, they'll have Patrick Stewart doing it, or Kirk, they'll have William Shatner, so they get whichever actor is, awesome. is, read, is the main book is about to do the audiobook for it, and, and sometimes it works out better because some of them are better voice actors or not, especially some of the next generation ones where you have the guy that plays Q on Next Generation uh, play, uh, doing some of the voices. It's, it's really cool. That would be great, please. Wait, Charles Dance doing a reading of the book? I think it's on one of the DVD extras where they have him doing some reading, some excerpts from the books, from some Tywin stuff that happens in the books. I think, oh, and Timo says, I think that the actors do the history and lore extras. History and lore is what you mean that's read by the actors. Okay, yeah. Thank you. I'm conf as usual. I'm confusing things, and I'm I'm projecting what I want to happen through the means of what actually is happening. And the characters do the history and lore stuff, which is really awesome. And it made me think exactly what Red was suggesting that I wish that they would do an audiobook thing. And and uh, and I think that would be a really cool thing for them to do afterwards. And I think that would sell like fucking hotcakes. Or maybe even just an an like, and then have some real awesome animator animate all that, but whatever. <laughs> Charles Dance doing audio reading, total masturbation material. <laughs> in fact, I would just have him do it all if we could. It he wouldn't be a bad choice. Him and, uh, him and uh, uh, Peter Dinklage doing it back and, you know, Peter Dinklage and in, uh, in, in Charles Dance read Game of Thrones. I'd go to like a one at, go to a play to sit there and watch them do that on stage, <laughs> like a staged reading where all the actors were just in a, in a, the theater. And I know we're going on a little bit of a rant here. It's similar to again to bring up Star Trek. Star Trek Next Generation cast over the break of one season took one of their episodes and performed it at a couple of dates at a uh, theater in in uh, in London as a live stage show. And Assholes. Uh, that they that no one else could see that. I would love to see Game of Thrones do something like that with a staged reading of the books, <laughs> please. Even if they do it as a DVD extra or as a live televised thing, like, like inside the actors' guild, it could be a workshop with that dude. The, or something like that would be pretty interesting. That, uh, uh, but anyways, let's continue. We get our Roz and Pizel scene. Roz's naked butt in the background of this scene as she's just annoyed with having to deal with Grandmaster Pizel in his quarters. That was Roz, really? That was Roz, yes. He starts off by saying, the thing about kings... Wait, 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 sorry. I love this scene, the little sly fucker. He's in great health. He can, But, like, as soon as his robe goes on and she's out of the room, he's like, ugh. <laughs> Joe, the thing about kings... Uh, Kings, ah, oh, I can tell you, ah, oh, there's so much to know about kings, ah. Oh. The, the thing you under, need to understand about kings is for the past 67 years, I've truly known more kings than any man alive. They're complicated men, but I know how to serve them. Yes, and I keep serving them. And all, all the time while Roz is trying to clean off the scum off of her from having to have sex with Pizel, Aerys Targaryen of a thousand uh, people, madness is the worst, Thing that someone could be. He was a good man, such a charmer. To watch him melt away before my eyes, consumed by the dreams of fire and blood. Robert Baratheon was an entirely different animal. Powerful man, a great warrior, but alas, winning a kingdom and ruling a kingdom are rather different things. They say if a man goes through life with his battle visor down, he can often 
blind to the enemy at his side. Now I serve his king, his son, King Joffrey, and may the gods bless his reign. He's a capable young man, strong military mind, stern, but sternness in the defense of the realm is no vice. It's far too soon to know what manner of a king he will be, but I sense true greatness on the horizon for our new king. Yeah. Someone, he's got it so wrong. This guy is deluded. Oh my God. It, and I guess it's, it's, and I'll finish the scene and then we'll talk about it. Then she says, uh, what's the thing? And he goes, what's the thing? You said the thing about kings that you need to understand. What's that thing? You, well, you never finished that. And she goes, oh, forget about it. And the look on her face and she's like, ah, forget this shit. And then she just walks out. It's just really hilarious shit. And then he does the thing that Joe was saying where he stretches out and you see that he's like a, he's pretty fucking spry. But what I was going to say before Joe was, I think what you do in this moment, it's one of the rare times in the series that you really get inside his mind and uh -huh. see what he needs to do to wrap his mind around what oh, he yeah. needs to do to serve each king. How he manages to be a cockroach. How the cockroach manages to find his own way to survive. And that he rationalizes any way he can. And that's what people like this do. They find any way that they can possibly hook their claws into a situation and through his ways, through rationalization to himself, that every king is the best king while they're serving. It's, it's really, it's really, it's really fun. And I think it's interesting yeah. because we don't get this a lot from Pizel in the future and in the, or before this or at any time, this is a real good dive into his mind. And I, I and I enjoy the scene. Another reason why this episode is one of my favorites. Licking, <laughs> licking all the Lannister, the kinds of Lannister's boots this guy does. Yeah. But he also licked the Baratheon boot and he also licked uh, the Targaryen boot. He knows who to, whose boots to lick and how. Yeah. He's a survivor for whatever we think about him. And, <clears throat> excuse me, haha, <laughs> he always speaks so <laughs> extravagantly high about Joffrey. He's the noblest child the gods have ever put on this earth. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. This noble child, the noblest child this man has ever... Okay, so then we get to ultimately my favorite scene in the episode. I say this a lot, but this is my favorite scene in the episode. Mm. Maybe one of my favorite scenes. Any any scene with Littlefinger and Varys, I just can't... Oh, I, yeah, walking through the throne room. Yeah, just amazing. Just them going back and forth. And oh, Curious, you often think about my... Junk it all, it all, yeah, it all starts off. He's like, I bet where Varys goes to him. You imagine yourself, uh, when you imagine yourself up on that throne, does the crown fit? Do all the lords and ladies bow to you? And it's, and Littlefinger's like, it's hard for them to, hard for them to simper and bow with no heads. <laughs> Just a funny reaction. A man with great ambition and no morals. I wouldn't bet against you, Varys' reaction. And then uh, then would you do, my friend, if you found yourself sitting up there? I must be one of the few men in the city who doesn't want to be king, says Varys. Uh -huh. And Littlefinger's reaction. Littlefinger's in prime form with Varys here. He's like, he is on every comment. And Varys can handle it. It's I, Hearing the two of these, watching it's the two of these. It's, it's a great spot. It's a great spot. Yeah, it's a great game of tennis going back and forth between the two of them. It, and it's just go well you're one of the few men in the city who isn't a man and then Littlefinger won't drop this when they castrated you do they think the pillar in the stones I always wondered it's little in Varys have you do you spend a lot of times wondering what's between my legs and Littlefinger just continues well I picture a gash like a woman's is that right and and Varys I'm flattered of course to be pictured at all 
It must be strange for you, after, even after all these years, a man from another land, despised by most, feared by all. Am I? <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, oh, you you fear me. Oh, you do. Thank you. He's just like, so thank you. Th he's just, I just could, I could put on Littlefinger and Varys scenes on loop 24 hours a day, seven days a week and watch these guys interact. And it's just hilarious to me. Do you, do, you, do you lie awake at night fearing my gash? He says to him. <laughs> but carry on, whispering in one king's ear and then the next. I admire you. And I admire you too, Lord Baelish. A grasper from a minor house with talent for befriending powerful men and women. A useful talent. I'm sure you'd agree. And so we stand here in mutual admiration and respect, playing our roles, serving our new king. Long may he reign. Long may he reign. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. There's just so much being said between the two of them. Or not so much. I think, ultimately, in this scene, they're both very clear of the subtext that they're saying to each other. And it's something we talk about a lot. That they both can't believe they're still in the game. They both just felt like fucking with each other because they enjoy each other. They enjoy the game of playing with each other. And they both call each other out on what their true agendas are. Littlefinger to rule and have everyone serve under them. And Varys, I think Little again i think we've talked about this before varus i think has a better finger no pun intended on little fingers agenda than necessarily little finger has on varus's agenda yeah the bill basically just sat there and did a little girl fight like this one saying don't call me a jealous whoremonger and little fuck fuck and the other saying don't call me a little gash driven not man <laughs> and, <laughs> like, but they did it so beautifully eloquently barbed tongue i'm gonna go back to the last scene for one second to do to jump in Kaylana, one of kaylana's comment paisel is just a gray sunken cunt love it <laughs> great, great comment timo says oh my god i absolutely love all scenes with Littlefinger and varus they play disgust and respect for each other very well one of my favorite scenes of the episode that and king in the north scenes red team says many people believe the entire show is peter versus Varys. Petire versus Varys. Varys uh, supports Targaryen restoration while Peter wants chaos among the houses. In many ways, the entire series is just a fight between the two of them. And Timo says, it's like these two are causing everything else going on in Westeros and Essos. And yeah, it is. It's A lot could say that it's the two. We talked about this a lot in the last episode or the a couple episodes. Right They're the power players forever and they both want they both will do anything to serve their means, where Varys' is means is ultimately, like Carmine was saying, the Targaryen restoration, as we find out more as time goes on, where, where Littlefinger, as Varys says many times to a few different people, Littlefinger would burn it all down to rule over the ashes. And, huh. and I think... Little, I think Varys would burn anyone he needed to down to get a Targaryen in power again. But I don't... But I think... Ultimately, that's in a place of serving the realm, not necessarily his own self-interests, where Littlefinger is straight up serving his own self-interests. I don't think Littlefinger's serving some higher power. I know there's a way out there theory that Littlefinger somehow works with the White Walkers and shit like that. But I think that's one of the more ridiculous uh tinfoil theories i've ever heard in my life he's been, he's been taking boats up there and yeah uh, that he has some sort crows. of yeah that he has some sort of connection with that i've heard that theory uh spelled out before as well and i think that's one of the more silly theories i think Littlefinger's working for completely his own agenda uh red says i always wanted to do a video on Varys, but there's almost no information about him other than his dick was cut off by some magic summoning whatever the next book should tell us why he's so loyal to the targaryens i feel like i really 
and I understand why they don't. It makes them so mysterious, but I really miss not having at least some inside Varys's head at some point in time in the sh in the, in the books. Or we he's just clouded in such mystery about where his agenda truly lies and in, in everything. It's it's. I hope in the Maybe next. Maybe he is a Targaryen. I don't know. It's v very interesting. His Walker name would be Little White Finger. <laughs> <laughs> I like that awesome Adafan. <laughs> ding, ding, motherfucking ding. <laughs> Wait, uh, Varys was castrated because of magic reasons. Varys talks about when he was castrated that he, th uh, that the sorcerer who cut off his dick threw up. Uh, we'll talk about that later. That happens in season two, I believe. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that, Sam. There's a scene that talks about that later on. People in the chat can clue you in, but we're going to wait to talk about that till it happens in season two, I believe, in a conversation between Varys and Tyrion. Uh, is it three? It might be three, says Red. Yeah, I think so. Is it three? Uh, so, but yes, the, um, whatever I said, there is a poof of magic and he heard a voice of something from the darkness, I believe is what Varys says. They, he took my junk, threw it in a fire, in a flame that burned it in a puff, and then I heard a voice. I'm, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm sort of paraphrasing. So uh, so, Ar so then we go to Arya, Yorin, and the boys. He's trying to protect her. He's dragging her through Fleet Bottom. Uh, and this is also the scene that we're introduced to uh, Gendry and Hot Pie. And it's just, it's a fun fun scene. Arya, now short hair, is lingering in one of the alleyways of King's Landing. Yorin takes, uh, is group, group, getting all the group of the men together to take him up to the wall. He says, now you're supposed to be Ari, an orphan, orphan boy. Go piss in the woods. No one will give a shit. So then the two couple boys come up to her and she has her sword and they start trying to fight her and start getting in her face. They want her sword or pigeon or, or yeah, her sword. Her sword. They want her sword. They're going to steal her sword. And, and he's, and who is that sword? Uh, and they start talking shit to her. Watch yourself, midget. He's got a sword. What's a gutter rat like you got a sword. Maybe he's a little squire. He ain't no squire. Look at him. He looks like a girl. I yeah. bet he stole that sword. Let's have a look. I could use me a sword like that. Take it off him. Give it here, midget. Look at him. You better give Hot Pie that sword. Yeah, I seen him kick a boy to death. And then Hot Pie's like, yeah, I kicked him down. I kicked him in the balls. And then I just kept kicking and kicking and kicking till he's dead. Do you believe it? No. I kicked them all to pieces. You better give me that sword. You want it? I'll give it to you. And she pulls it out and she, and she goes all Aria, crazy Aria on him for a second. She puts it in his chest as she stands up and yep. I'll shove it right through you. Yeah. I have killed a man before. Yeah, I've killed I'll a fucking kill you too, motherfucker. I bet you never killed anyone. I bet you're a liar, but I'm not. I'm good at killing fat boys. I like killing fat boys. <laughs> I just love this. Come on, chunk. Do the truffle shuffle now, bitch. <laughs> She's like truffle shuffle, baby. Now yeah, hot pie. Compare, he pulled up his shirt. He was like, okay, <laughs> okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> and you know who else also loves Arya in this moment? Uh, Gendry, Gendry who, who right away. I mean, we don't find out till later that he knows, but right away probably makes her for a girl. Well, did you see the way she kind of like got up off the ground with her toe pointed? She looked like a girl, yeah. in spite of the hair, whatever. Like if you saw that scene. From a distance, you would have said, oh, why is that girl about to stab that that boy? <laughs> so he comes over and and he's just like, what? What the fuck? You, you fucking with me? And and they've got uh, so we're and he goes, where is and he 
kind of just threatens the guys and the guys run off. So then he goes, gets in her face. He goes, are you going to swing it when I hit you? The castle. He grabs the sword. And he goes, oh, that's, sto- that's a sword. Oh, it's a very nice sword. It's that's castle forged steel. Where did you steal it? And she says it was a gift. And he goes, that ah, doesn't matter. Where we're going, they don't care what you've done. They got rapers, pickpockets, highwaymen, murderers. Which are you? And uh, Arya asks him, which are you? And he goes, I'm an armor's apprentice. But my master got sick of me, so here I am. Uh, and then we hear Euron yell, come on, you sons of whores. It's a thousand leagues from the wall, and winter is coming. <clears throat> my question for you, Joe, as I go let my cat in, is do you think that his, uh, his master sent him away to protect him because Robert died? knowing who he was or do you think he sent him away because we because from what we knew about his interaction his master seemed to like like the two hands of the kings came and visit him this kid's it seemed seemingly important he's trouble he's trouble so you think he sent him away on purpose yeah if i keep this kid around i'm next i'm gonna die next too many people keep coming to ask about him that's why he sent him away that and or ned had him sent away, but I don't think so. We didn't see that. I don't, it's not in the book. It was basically, he's trouble. He kept saying, like, he looked at it like in a nuisance that, you know, these hands, they keep coming and asking questions and they're really interested in this boy. He doesn't want that kind of attention, especially because both those two hands ended up dead. Mm, no, and then the king ended up dead. Good, good point. I would, the only thing that I was wondering as I was watching it, and I, I, I think I tend to agree with you, Joe. I think the only thing I was wondering when I was watching you is if he realized that the boy might be in danger for what's the what's to come. But I don't think he I don't think he probably realizes that the boy's in danger. I think it's more that this kid's more trouble than good. Yeah, yeah, not he, that the kid's in danger. He, right? He's a wise ass. He's a you know he's he. There's people always coming to visit him and. And he talks shit to the hands of the king. Like, why am I have this guy around? He does good work, but if he's talking to these people, he's not doing work. <laughs> and at- maybe he senses it coming that somebody's going to come and take him or kill him. And why not get what he can from him now before that happens? Two hands have already come in between the, the first hand dying and the last Joe, hand that's dying. Joe, so dirty. Two, that's so dirty. Two hands have already come. Two hands have come. Ahmed has a question. I think we skipped over this. What about the scene with Paisal doing squats? I and- know, right? What a sly little fucking snake. He is in great. He all. I'm so cripply and old and frail, and he's fucking banging whores and doing squat thrusts. Oh my gosh! And uh, Christopher says maybe Yorin paid his master for him, uh, knowing that knowing that he's a big guy and and he's a blacksmith. He needs he needs, he needs a blacksmith. They need stuff like that at the wall. That's that's a possibility too. That he and his master's just like I'm sick of you. Blah blah blah. And I think his master out. went looking to sell him, and Yorin <laughs> probably bought him, but not that Yorin <laughs> went looking to buy that particular. Black. He might have even gone looking to buy blacksmith to bring back to the wall, but. Uh, He's not really, he's an apprentice. He's not a slave. <laughs> like, I don't think you can. He's not like Anakin Skywalker. We're, we're right the... here. They're giving me 50 bucks. So you have to go to the wall for the rest of your life and, and pledge yourself to them. You know, like he still gets a decision in, of somewhat in that, I, I would imagine. 
So, so the next uh, next scene we get is Lord Commander Mormont speaking with John, who's afraid of what his punishment might be for deserting the Night's Watch. Mormont waves off the fear by saying they if they killed out all deserters who took a night off, he'd have no men left to guard the wall. Mormont is at least impressed that John didn't go to the whorehouse. Mormont explains yeah. to John about the incidents happening beyond the wall, the villages abandoned during the night, and the discovery of the blue-eyed corpses. Excuse me. The war for the throne means little. Excuse me. When worse things are stirring in the north, the watch he decides, and this is a great. Do you agree? Yes, a hundred percent. That the real problem is the white. That's what he asks John. Oh yeah, do you agree? And John agrees, and and the war means little. The watch, and this is ends up going under. The scene cuts halfway through to the action of all the Night's Watch with Mormont leading them, or a big group from the Night's Watch heading out beyond the wall. Uh, John has to make a decision: join the rest of his brothers, stay loyal to his family. I wonder what Mormont would have done if John chose his family in this moment. Would he have just chopped his head off or would he have said, fine, John, go and come back later? I, I, no, I think he would have, uh, would he have still given... left them to his devices and hoped that he was there when he got back or, or was uh... – I think he knew what John was going to do. I think everyone – yeah, I think he, he, he called John right on this. I think – John's dead son. He's too much honor involved to go and – fight his father his brother's war interesting in season three deleted scene with Pizel in tie with tywin it's revealed that Pizel does the faking out so he can blend in he doesn't want to seem like a threat and no one look at an old man right exactly in trouble interesting that's exactly why he does it he, you know you end up with a sympathy for him oh you're not threatened by me he's not standing over you he's it, people You'll, you'll, you feel stronger than that person most of the time when you see people like that. So it is, it's a definite, he's a sly fox. He's a sly and, snake in the grass. And Red, and Red says he would have sent a raven for John's execution if he said no. It would have, uh, it would have, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I think if John had ever left, he would, he, he would have begrudgingly had to execute John. Yes. So, so, anyways, uh, in the scene, Mormon complains about having too much ham. He's like, he doesn't want ham. At least bring him a beer for breakfast if he has to eat ham again. And they have this good back and forth. John is so miserable. Season one, John Snow in this scene, just so you don't understand. You still don't understand what I'm going through. But he ultimately, I think, as much as John wants to fight for his father and fight for his family. John just wants to be in a fight right now and wants to be fighting for something important. And I think Mormon does an excellent job here playing to that and knowing John. And as you said, uh, Joe, knowing he's Ned Stark's son, knowing he has this sense of honor inside of him that wants to fight for something bigger than he is. And Which is also why he brings up Benjen. And we're going to go find Benjen Stark because Benjen is, uh, you know, it's, that's his uncle. It's Ned's brother. That's part of the family. It gives him purpose like he's also helping the family going to find Benjen as well. Yeah. So by staying with the Night's Watch, by helping to go find out what's going on with Craster and the and all the wildlings and going north and all that shit and finding Benjen, it's all helping the Starks anyway. So good question. And we're not gonna answer we're not gonna answer this because uh, I think we might get have a future video in our hands from Red. But would Bran if Bran was there to see that one kid uh would Bran order John's execution? No, of course not. It's a it's an interesting question. It is an interesting question. We'll we'll uh, I think it's gonna be no, interesting. No, he would not. 
You don't think so? Nope. Mm. Not one bit. Nope, not at all. It would not order. End of okay. discussion. End of discussion. <laughs> end of discussion. That, that's Joe's. We're going we're gonna to short that up. Joe's reaction video. No. <laughs> Bam. Absolutely not. Do you think any Stark would order the death of another Stark? You don't maybe think Ned, maybe Ned. You don't Ned's think okay, would one. Ned would Ned kill John for deserting? Nope. Yes, Ned would kill John for deserting in a second. I disagree nope, with you on he'd that. He'd send him back. No, he would kill him. No, he'd send him back. He'd say he was taking a night off. Just like uh, <laughs> I don't know about I don't he think he came down to visit me. He had an important you, message to tell me about something. Do you think Ned Stark has that kind of flexibility to his yep, rules? Yep, no, I don't yep. think so. I don't think so. Yep. yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Ned would not kill kill that's uh <laughs> nope. I love your I love your arg- your nope argument. It's so detailed in your in your reasoning behind it. I love it. Okay, this is the reason. Nope. <laughs> Could you tell me that once again, Joe? What, what, what's your reason? It's just nope. No. No. Ned doesn't do it. Ned would be the only one that could, but he wouldn't knock John. No. No. Just no. They no, Catelyn would. Catelyn would execute another Stark. Okay. Would execute John. Last, sure, last, que- last question on this subject, Joe, before we continue. Would, if Arya was given an assignment by one of the faceless men to kill John, nope. would, would Arya do it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. nope. But uh, Red says, but Ned is honorable. Especially not John. No fucking way. She kills the, she kills the faceless man that gives her the order and says, there's the life you want. <laughs> Ahmed, you wanted a life I gave you one motherfucker Ahmed says he saved John once he'll do it again Ned would not kill John says Timo Kaylana ham salty pork makes you thirsty Red says but Ned is honorable he can't play favorites he can't do that or else he would just make him look bad Ned would have beheaded John I just like that kid no, in episode Ned one can I, lie. I agree Ned with you has lied. Uh, Ned, Ned can lie to his best fucking friend absolutely ned does not kill john ned can think of an excuse ned can think of something some sort of loophole oh just like the just like the bear said you know people go fuck whores and flea bottom all not in flea bottom moles mole town all the time don't worry about it kid people go away sometimes for a day or two. it's when you're gone for a week two weeks three weeks they see you down in king's landing it's a- booking passage for essos yeah we come hunt you the fuck down but no this is fine. Don't worry about it. You want to go see your family? Benjamin goes down to Winterfell all the time. Maybe maybe he asks for permission. Maybe he doesn't. He just goes. <laughs> you know, come it's, on. Ve- it's a very interesting question. I think it's I think it is definitely up for debate what, what Ned Stark would do in that situation and what any Stark would do faced with family. If if uh, what Ned would do if uh if if uh Benjamin left the Night's Watch, would Ned have beheaded Benjamin for for you know, here's the thing: is uh, you know, are they going to see family and shit like that? No, no I'm talking they, about. Like, be, are I, no, you I'm not finding ta- them in Joe, like? Joe, I'm not talking about just walking Yun- out of there. I'm talking about uh, leaving the Night's Watch. Right, you find them in Yunkai or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, you find them like, in Dorne. You, you're going down. You're like the mafia. Bravos. Yeah, you're like Tony Soprano taking Meadow to college, and you see the you see the guy up in Maine, and you're like, uh, wait a second, I I know that guy. I gotta kill him. If like, you, so you're so, so you're like in a tavern in Bravos, and you see a Night's Watch come in and burn his black robes. Right. Or like that, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that dude dies. But if, if it's like your own son, um, maybe you try to get him back. Say, and and remember, you're the lord of, of Winterfell, not just of Winterfell, but of the entire north. You've known the bear for a long fucking time, probably each other's lives. He's the, he's the bear island, uh, <laughs> you know, lord. 
and now the Lord of the Black. So I think you can work something out like, oh, but if he does it again, a second time he's taken off running, like, sure, maybe maybe Ned orders it then. But but no, not the first time his son. I don't know, Joe. I don't know, Joe. I, I, want, I want to agree with you, but I think what you're I think what you're doing is is humanizing Ned Stark a little bit too much in the sense of of okay, the big the question comes is what's more important, family or honor, and that's all wrapped family. together. It's it's a good just a good question. I, I honestly don't know. I think it's I think it's up for debate. I tend to think that Ned chops his fucking head off. I tend to think Bran doesn't, well, but I think Ned would chop his fucking head off. Let's I think put an ask a Joe Strix here. Joe we'll come here. back to it in future seasons, maybe books. We'll when describe. Yeah, find out certain information about, about Ned Stark what Ned yes. feels more important about family or good good honor. goddamn point Joe that in season six and in winds of winter and further we possibly will get more information to back up this conversation one way or another and I am going to say firmly that from what I've known not from future reading or watching but from what just from season one and what we've seen up to this point, no, I I don't believe Ned would kill one of his children for breaking the law or running from the black. Well, anyway, even, even Benjen, I don't think he would do it for Benjen. I think he would try to get around it somehow. But ultimately, if he had to order the execution, he would do it himself, too. One way or another, it's definitely a very good conversation and a good debate there. And we'll get back to that at a later point in time. So now let's get into our final scene of the episode. <clears throat> it is uh, Drogo's funeral. And uh, Drogo's been placed upon the top of a funeral pyre, along with three dragon's eggs. Alario gave to Daenerys as a gift. Joris, Why are you doing that? Just sell them. He says they could sell and they could live as a wealthy what woman in the free cities. And uh, never want for anything. He also begs her not to join her husband. He knows what she's planning to do. Danny is thankful of Jorah's concern and she gives him a little kiss on the cheek and says the only... Oh, you silly child. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. The only people left... Are I won't let you climb on top of that fire. The only people left are Daenerys' own servants and the slaves, the people from the village, the Dothraki sack not long ago. Daenerys turns to them and says, they're her new Kalisar and that she's freed them all, and those who want to leave can leave, but those who stay will be part of my new family. As uh, sh as she yells to Mary Mazu, uh, Mazor, you get to the pyre. I'm tying you to the pyre. This is where we get to the whole thing where... You, you won't hear me scream. Oh, I'll yeah, hear you I scream. Will. Yes, it's you fire, will. you stupid bitch. <laughs> Bless me. you. Oh, my goodness. Tanny tells her people that she'll make sure that anyone who harms them will die screaming. Mary insists that she will not scream. Danny sets the pyre alight. Once the fire blazes, she walks right into the middle of it, seemingly unharmed. The witch is sing her singing. When the fire starts, she starts singing and chanting. And that shortly turns into screams. Someone's, someone says it's too late to. Uh, someone says it's too late to cook those eggs. She wants the hard-boiled eggs. Yeah. You're not going to feed your people that way, Daenerys. See, those are really Varys' eggs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what you don't know. Varys actually laid those eggs. No, those are the eggs they took from two of them anyway. It's the pillar and the stone. Oh, okay. I don't That's why they cut them off. I wasn't sure what beard. you meant there. <laughs> Ghetto Toad. Welcome, Ghetto Toad. I didn't see you pop in. Uh, Cloud Guys, triggers. I said triggers. Christopher. Welcome, Christopher, too. Seeing a couple of other friends piling on in. Uh, so 
so ultimately, she walks right into the middle of the fire, seemingly unharmed, but she kind of just sits down while Mary writhes in pains and burns. The following morning, Jorah returns to the site of the pyre, uh, even though there's just ashes remaining in the middle of the smoldering ash. She fi- he finds Danny. She is naked, and her skin is coated with ash and grime, but she is fine. She isn't burned. The blood fucking magic worked. Jorah then discovers she's not alone. She has three Baby dragons, two on her lap, one up on her shoulder. One stretches out, little Drogo, baby Drogo, stretches out his little neck and goes, And his wings. And his wings as we pan out. What a motherfucking amazing, uh, unbelievable ending to the episode. drops to his knees. And they all just drop to their knees and they're all just like, holy shit. And they just, my queen, my Khaleesi, oh my God, oh my God. Now, his... End of the Everybody episode. Everybody that that saw this, I remember talking to, were just astonished. Their jaws were on the floor from the dragons. I thought that it was all done technically very well and all that, but I was because of how much how little the fantasy shit was in this series up to that moment. I was a little disappointed by that. By the way the dragons looked. No, by the fact that they. That dragons are now around again. You just you're dragons just, become a part of the story. That it it basically you could not have dragons be part of this story, Joe. You, well, you cannot ignore the fantasy anymore with that. And like, I guess you still kind of can for a little bit, but it becomes much more of just that of the fantasy genre, because what we had before was a zombie, and like two scenes with zombies and not really too much more with with magic or fantasy stuff aside from like the witch blood magic shit which doesn't really kind of do anything aside from kill drago and a horse mm. oh shit <laughs> and, and birth some dragons Ma- max says i hope masande becomes queen because she looks way better than D- daenerys i think she's smarter too i saw her in something recently where i was like oh my god she looks so fucking hot and whatever the thing i saw her and i forget all the women on this show hbo did a great job finding beautiful women to be on this show red says uh have you noticed how many how danny still has some of her dothraki guys in season five most of them left her in season one finale a lot of them died in season two uh yeah is she supposed to have uh blood riders still or blood riders still alive on the show she has some of them yes she um i don't you don't ever see them on the show anymore she had she had a couple now his his calisar was huge it was the biggest there was and even though it doesn't look like it on the on the show a couple hundred peasants and men and some and blood riders stayed with her even though the bulk of the of the 20 50,000 100,000 rode off i think it breaks off into they, two or three main groups but do we actually and see, they scatter but we don't really see them much again in at least especially in the last couple of more recent seasons we definitely don't see no we we get them you know the wandering jew shit in the desert at the start of next season i think yeah and um and but we, it doesn't focus on them so much but yeah no they're still around they're still around they're still around throughout the whole story it's her original her original tribe really is essentially they're still there. They're not talked about or focused on. She loses a lot of them in the desert. And she, and like I said, the, the Kalasar itself breaks off into, I think two 
big warring parties just split off and all the like. I'm excited. I'm actually really excited in season six to see some more Dothraki stuff. Yeah. Uh, Red Red says I agree with Joe in the sense that the finale was great because they kept the fantasy magic on the show, uh, magic mod monsters on the down low. The fantasy elements appear in the beginning and then again in the fin finale. But yeah, so so it's good in touches, and I agree with that too. That in touches, when they try to do too much of it, it I'm. I'm not as big of a fan of, especially when the later stuff that they do with some of the dragons from a CG standpoint, it just takes you out of it a little bit because you can't help but take you out of it seeing big giant CG things. But, but whatever. Let's read a couple of a uh, couple of fun facts before we take a uh, call it a day. The episode "Fire and Blood" is the motto of House Targaryen. Two of the scenes: Ario, Arya's, Arya's, Arya's brutal encounter with Hot Pie and Lomi in a conversation between Jamie and Catelyn are not included in the original novel, but in the sequel, A Clash of Kings. According to the original novel, the singer who was tried by Joffrey was Marylon, I believe. I'm mispronouncing his name, but an un wasn't was not Marion, but an unarmed tavern singer. Marion, who was present at the Crossroads Inn when Catelyn captured Tyrion and accompanied them to the Vale, makes an appearance in the, in, the in the next book, but never in King's Landing. Right, no, he stays in that that guy that he did it. In they the changed. Book, it's, it's the same change. guy, but it, it, he goes no. In the, the show, it's the change. In the sh there's, that's saying in the show, it's the same guy, but in the novel, it's not correct. correct. Uh, and I believe some trivia item: one of the heads in the spikes that Joffrey has placed in the on the Bush. battlements is George W. Bush. We talked about this before. Sean Bean is credited, but does not appear in this episode. Only a prosthetic head of his likeness. That, likeness. And that's good enough. Also credited is Jerome Flynn, who does not appear in this episode. Mark Connie makes an. An, an uncredited appearance as Lord Galbert Glover shouting out from the crowd of the Northmen that Renly is not the rightful king. He previously appeared in an uncredited in the pointy end where he had no dialogue. Vincent Maccabee was playing Rich, Rick, Ricard Cardstock. However, in this episode, he plays one of the Lannister Bannermen, the one who has uh, Harry Swift's lines from the book, while Cardstock is actually played by Stephen Blunt, who is credited as such. However, Blunt's character is never identified on screen. John Stahl debuts in season two playing Lord Cardstock, who is identified by name in the dialogue, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the episode, during Arya's escape from King's Landing, a wheeled cage is shown as part of Yorin's entourage, with two men and a hooded figure inside. Fans have speculated that the hooded figure is supposed to be Jaqin Hagar. His face was hidden because he was played by an extra until the episode he was not cast until season two, while the other men, too, are book characters Rorge and Biter. Rorg and Biter. Regardless of who they're supposed to be, all three characters do appear in the following season. As of this episode, the claimants of the Iron Throne consist of Joffrey, Stannis, Renly, and while Robb Stark is now fighting against King Joffrey to avenge his death of his father, Lord Eddard, and win independence of the North, the conflict does not become a war of five kings until Balon Greyjoy declares himself King of the Iron Lions islands and attacks the north Bran gives a clear brief summary of robert's rebellion to his aunt and his aunt lyanna was captured by rhaegar robert and Eddard went to war to get her back and she died in the book master lewin it's master lewin who takes Bran down to the crypts to show him that his father's not there and shaggy dog bites him Bran and rickon then go with him back to his tower and are there when the raven arrives with the word of his father's death the North was long an independent nation within its own king of the North. It was only 300 years ago with the War of Conquest that the North King Torin Stark, seeing the strength of the Targaryen army and the might of the dragons, particularly at the Field of Fire, decided not to fight them and swear fealty. 
the Targaryens and the dragons being dead with their ally Robert Baratheon now dead, Great John's reasons that they owe nothing to the Southern Kings anymore. That's his rationalization. When the scene of Gren, Pip, and Samwell pursuing John as he deserts was filmed, the part where Sam falls off the horse was not in the script. The lighting was poor, and the female stunt woman, who was dressed up as Sam, <laughs> wore a wig, made it visible, so she they put that in. It's the first. Oh, did we catch him? It's the first mention of Cotter Pike, the commander of Eastwatch by the sea. In the books, Yorin tells Arya that a man Varist who bought Gendry. Uh, to, oh, in the books, Yorin tells Arya that the man Varys who bought brought Gendry to him was the same one who told him to delay leaving and be at the sept of Baelor because the trial of Eddard Stark was supposed to result in him being sentenced to take the black, maybe going with Yorin to the wall. Uh, the scene between Catelyn and the imprisoned Jamie is based on a similar scene between them in the novel Clash of Kings. The scene is broken into two parts, one half and the other half, blah, blah, blah. In the book, Daenerys is found smoldering remains of fire, and the dragons are nursing milk from her nipples. They didn't at put that in the show because, you know. Jason Momoa recalls being heartbroken when first reading the script of his death. He goes, I hate you. He, he threw the book at the wall saying, I hate you, George Martin, and he calls Game of Thrones the greatest experience of his, of his career. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's just about it. We've got, I've got a couple more stuff, but we kind of just basically gone all through all of this before <laughs> I could keep going. I've, I've lots Charles dance was drinking grape juice rather than wine in the scene. Uh, Benioff and Weiss were inspired by Charles Dance's performance in Bleak House and did not audition him, anyone else, for the character of Tywin. Harrenhal scenes will be a major location in season two. The scenes in the Red Weiss were filmed in Malta. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. And that's it. <gasps> Joe, we made it. We made it through season one. Only took what a year, something like that. But trust me, season two will not take us that long. We're gonna do a lot more. Try to keep to every two weeks doing an episode of Game of Thrones, and uh, try to do some more. Excuse me, during the holiday break when when try to maybe move these to Sunday nights when we're in Walking Dead break and and just kind of have them live in our usual Game of Thrones time. So we'll keep you guys posted of all of that. And Joe, I guess it's a good time as any to call it a night. Oh, oh. When does season two start? How, long, how many months do we have to wait till season two starts? Season two? Yeah. Next week. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, we're going to uh, next week, not next week, the week after, two weeks. <laughs> bye bye guys bye Adafan Ghetto to it's Sam Timo thanks to our callers thank you to Red Team Carmine for hanging out with us thank you Ahmed Protector of the Realm Khaleesi of the Great Sea called Daenerys Danny Stormborn the Unburnt Mother of Dragons Liberator of Cities and Slaves Jacking a Car <laughs> Sam oh my god I love the Gladiator reference after the enormously long intro over the name oh Naked Dothraki then I'll be able to handle the Danny scenes <laughs> Needle Teeth holy crap Everybody, thank you so much for all your awesome comments in the great chat room. But everybody, have a good night. We'll talk to you guys. Have an awesome weekend. We'll be back on Sunday to talk some Walking Dead. Later. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Ahmed. You guys are awesome. Oh, yes, you can find us, issuesprogram.com. Please subscribe. Please like this video if you haven't already. Email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. You can tweet me at igotissuesman. Find me on Facebook, Phil's Recap and Review. 
Find Joe on Twitter at DirtyLocks. Subscribe to Dirty Issues Gaming to watch Joe and I doing some streaming. The Game of Thrones game will be coming out soon. I'll be doing the first, my first playthrough on the main channel, and then I will be doing a full playthrough on the gaming channel, and Joe will be doing probably his first playthrough on the gaming channel. So look out for a couple of playthroughs of the Game of Thrones game coming up real soon. And the, the Walking Final Dead Chapter. one, too. And the Walking Dead Season 2 one we'll be playing coming up soon. Always email me at igetissuesman at gmail.com. You can call, leave voicemails, 781-990-8509. And I'll be streaming probably most of the day. So check out Joe streaming. Talk to you guys soon. Ghetto Toad, we love you. Kaylana, it's awesome to have you. Vaughn, Ahmed, Timo, the, the other Tim, and then our great friend Tim. Bye, friends. Two coming. Oh, wait, my old days, 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 my